very quick disclaimer here, guys. Much like a couple episodes ago, I am having these recurring mic issues. I think I have them fixed now for good. Hopefully I do. But in the first 10 minutes of the show on my particular mic, there are some issues. We fix them. It goes away. So please do not tap out. That's it. Enjoy the show. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The switch is on. Battleline podcast for the new listeners. I know there's always new people listening every week. Uh, I'm Ian Scotto. I'm Chris Peranto. Tonto. And, as and eventually as well. we'll have video, but but if yeah. you, uh, since you know you can only hear us, you've pretty much, you have a little bit of the goatee. I have a little bit. Of I, I, it grows back quick. So, you know, I manscaped down below and then I manscaped <laughs> up above. So I didn't use the same razor though. <laughs> good I, I love it man um so we have we have john burke coming on this show which we're mm-hmm. really excited for um and we're going to get into that every episode for the for the new listeners once again you know we talk to different inspiring people oftentimes in the special operations community although i know john is not special operations he was army infantry oh yeah, yeah. he very much has a following of his own um i really want to get into this navy seals revamping article yeah, from AP because and and I'm going to read the whole article. It's a short article, but the reason being, I think if people see the headline, um, they're like, "Oh, cool, the Navy SEALs are revamping and they're focusing on China and Russia." But there's more to that, which we'll get into. But I mean, for those who don't know, there have been issues with the SEAL community in the past few years, and as you know, and a lot of the listeners know who read more into this stuff. When I say issues, I'm not talking about like hazing and thing and small things like that. We're talking about accusations of very serious war crimes. And then in the worst scenario, we're talking about the murder of a Green Beret at the hands of a Navy SEAL. And that's obviously not an indictment on all Navy SEALs, but there is obviously a problem that needs to be addressed at the community. Uh, well, I and you, you do. You have you have to. Uh, and I read the article as well. Um, but you know, I'll, I'll get into it after you read it. So yeah, I, I might as well read it then. So I've got my opinions, opinions on it. And, and so yeah, uh, let, let me read it just to get the audience up to speed then. Um, because when I heard, you know, the, the headline, it's a little bit different and it's an article that needs to be heard in its full context. So 
the this is originally from the AP. Um, it's been reposted by other sites like Business Insider. Uh, the Navy SEALs are revamping their leadership and expanding their capabilities to take on China and Russia. Uh, Ten years after they found and killed Osama bin Laden, U.S. Navy SEALs are undergoing a major transition to improve leadership and expand their commando capabilities to better battle threats from global powers like China and Russia. The new plan cuts the number of Navy SEAL platoons by as much as 30 percent and increases their size to make the teams more lethal and able to counter sophisticated maritime and undersea adversaries. And there will be a new intensive screening process for the Navy's elite warriors to get higher quality leaders after scandals that rocked the force and involved charges of murder, sexual assault, and drug use. Rear Admiral H. Wyman Howard III, top commander for the SEALs, laid out his plans in an exclusive interview with the Associated Press. He said the Navy's special operations forces have been focused on counterterrorism operations, but now must begin to evolve beyond be, to evolve beyond those missions. For the past two decades, many have been fighting in the deserts of Iraq and mountains of Afghanistan. Now they are focused on going back to sea. That decision reflects the broader Pentagon strategy to prioritize China and Russia, which are rapidly growing their militaries and trying to expand their influence around the globe. U.S. defense leaders believe that two decades of war against militants and extremists have drained resources, causing Americans to lose ground against Moscow and Beijing. The counterterrorism fight has its had its benefits, allowing the SEALs to sharpen their skills in the developing intelligence networks and finding and hitting targets, said Howard, who heads uh, Navy Special Warfare Command, which includes the SEALs and the Special Warfare Combatant Craft Crewmen. Uh, and then he adds, many of these things are transferable, but now we need to put pressure on ourselves to operate against peer threats. As a result, Howard is adding personnel to the SEAL platoons to beef up its capabilities in cyber and electronic warfare and unmanned systems, honing their skills to collect intelligence and deceive and defeat the enemy. Uh, then he also adds, we are putting pressure on ourselves to evolve and understand our gaps in capability and what our true survivability is against these threats posed by uh, global competitors, he said. Admiral Mike Gilday, the chief of Navy operations, said the goal is to better integrate the SEALs into the Navy's missions at sea. Um, and then another quote there from Gilday, as the Navy special warfare community returns more and more to its maritime roots, their increased interrogation across the fleet, above, under, and on the sea, will unequivocally enhance our unique maritime capabilities to help us compete and win against any adversary. Uh, and then it, it adds increasing the size of the SEAL platoons will add high tech capabilities and decreasing the number of units will allow Howard to rid the force of toxic leaders and be more selective in choosing commanders. That decision is a direct result of the erosion in character that Navy officials have seen within the force. And then this gets into what I was just speaking on. In recent years, SEALs have been involved in a number of high profile scandals. One of the most well-known was the arrest of Navy Special Operations Chief Edward Gallagher on war crimes charges that included murder of an Islamic State militant captive and attempted murder in the shootings of civilians during a 2017 deployment to Iraq. Gallagher was acquitted of all charges except one, posing in photos with the dead captive. A jury recommended his rank be reduced, cutting his pension and benefits as he was about to retire, but President Donald Trump intervened and ordered that Gallagher be allowed to retire without losing his SEAL status. More recently, a SEAL team platoon was pulled out of Iraq in 2019 amid allegations of sexual assault. Members of SEAL Team 10 were involved in cocaine use and tampering with drug tests. 
and Navy SEAL Adam Matthews was sentenced to a year in a military prison for his role in the 2017 hazing-related death of an Army Green Beret in Africa. I want to get a little bit more into that one in particular, but wrapping this up here, Navy leaders also chafed as Navy SEALs broke away from their, quote, quiet professional ethos, publicizing their participation in the raid into Pakistan that killed bin Laden, the al-Qaeda leader responsible for plotting the 9-11 attacks. Two SEALs wrote books about the mission, prompting a rebuke from from the Navy uh, Special Warfare Commander at the time, Rear Admiral Brian Losey. And for those who don't know, most of you do know the two SEALs that we're talking about uh, are Rob O'Neill and Matt Bissonnette, who wrote the book as Mark Owen. He wrote two books. Um, A critical tenet of our ethos is I do not advertise the nature of my work nor seek recognition for my actions. And that was said by Brian Losey. Since taking over last September, Howard reached out to the Army and the Marine Corps for ideas on how to better screen his commando forces and assess them as they move through the ranks. Almost immediately, he instituted a double-blind process for candidate interviews that was being used by the Army so that neither side is influenced by actually seeing the other. In addition, he is identifying or intensifying the screening process with more psychological assessments to evaluate personality traits. And he's expanding other assessments done by the subordinates and peers of the candidates up for review. The increased scrutiny, said Howard, will extend through all the ranks and will help leaders get a better understanding of each service member's character. The process, he said, will provide more feedback for individuals so they can improve and will also help top leaders pair commanders for their right teams. In some cases, Howard said, sailors who are, are already who already had gone through the initial SEAL screening had to do it again under the new process. Not all did as well the second time. And then he ends it with, we learned that some of the officers that scored in the mid range are officers that I thought would have scored much higher. So the one thing I want to address too is Logan Melger, uh, the green beret who was killed by a Navy SEAL. They say it was hazing. Um, I don't know if you have any more info. I've heard from guys in the community that say that there was more to that. Um, but it should go without saying there is no excuse for a special operations military member to be murdered by another special operations military member. I don't care what. The and, and that's, that's, that's not hazy. I, I, yeah, it murders murder. Hazing is hazing. There's a difference. The, the public, public, the politicians, the, uh, the media, they don't know the difference because they'd never been through actual hazing to become a member of a regiment, regiment, regiment or SEAL team. Um, uh, it, and especially senior NCOs don't haze each other. It's a, it's a, it's a superiority, inferior, inferior, <laughs> inferiority level where you come into a new unit, you're going to get hazed a bit to make sure you really want to be there. If you can't handle that hazing and it's never to the point of death, it's that's, that's not hazing to the point of death. That's, that's just murder or manslaughter and, or, or, yeah. or, whatever, or whatever you want to call, you know, whatever it was intentional, their premeditation or not. It's not hazing. So I, I no, just want to clear that up first. And and I also just want to add, as a guy who's not a veteran, but just someone who reads about this like everybody else, there are guys who die in training exercises yeah, yeah. and things like that. This is not that. This no, is a murder. It, it And it went, it, it was something overseas and I'm sure, yeah, and this is my opinion, but from my experience being around and working and being one of those kind of guys especially if alcohol is involved, you get overseas, especially if you've done multiple tours and, and there's anger. You know, I had anger for many years when I came home and that was, you have that anger over there, but there's a way to vent that over there. 
that once you get to these positions where where maybe you're stuck in a base or you're not being able to do the ops that you want to do and and then and or you're you know, like I said, alcohol gets involved or you have problems at home, like you get you're going through a divorce or you find your wife cheating on you or something like that. And it can it's just it's just the perfect storm. It can turn into a mixture where just an argument turns into fights, turns into, oh, shit. Now it's I, getting violent. And yeah, now, I, I've seen that before. I actually have seen that before, but not to the point of, like I said, it's, it gets broken up before it's like, holy shit, this is getting serious. Let's get these guys away from it. Cause cooler heads usually prevail where obviously it didn't in this case. Yeah. The thing is, I think if we were to bring on someone like Derek Gannon, who we've had on, who I, I'm pretty sure like investigated this. Cause I'm thinking I heard it from him or other guys. I don't know if it's confirmed, but I've heard reports and things like that, that this could have been involved in like, a drug deal gone wrong, all and different types that, of illegal activity. That's possible too, where somebody, or I read that. And again, I don't know, um, but I don't yeah, either. It's, it's, it's quite possible that he was going to rat on him and they're like, hell no, he's not going to rat on me. We're, we're putting him down, you know? And I'm, I'm speaking, frankly, and speaking bluntly. If that does, if that hurts you and offends you, I'm sorry, war's hell for both sides, whether it's you're with your friends or the enemy or a combination of both war, war sucks. This is one of the reasons that war sucks. Um, even on friendly soil, it, if, if you're doing something and there are, there, there's not a lot of oversight in some places and some guys just, they, they get this wild hair and, and maybe it's an adrenaline thing. Maybe it's a money thing, which you know, it's one of the two, but there's always guys there that are, have the integrity and they want to do the right thing. And I, I'm not saying this SF guy was, I don't know. Maybe he was involved with it. Maybe he wanted more money. Who knows? I, you know what I'm saying? It, but that could have very well happened as well. And, and without being there and being on site, I, I don't know. It, it's hard. And I said, we can hear stories, investigations and so forth. But unless we were there, we're never going to really know what took place or what happened. But bottom line, whether we really know or not, it shouldn't have happened. It was wrong. It's manslaughter or murder. Bottom line, that's the end state of it. And, and um, yeah, moving into the, 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 uh, bringing in leadership and cleaning house. And I think that's what any unit would do. I don't think this is anything special. They're not, I don't think this, the, the, this administration or the new sec def or the new head of a Navy special operations community, they're doing anything that wouldn't be done. Even if the rank, this happened with a Ranger unit, this happened with a green beret unit, this happened with Delta, they would find some way to gain more control and to maintain more oversight, which is exactly what they're doing. They're basically turning the SEALs into a conventional type unit by making it bigger, which is that's conventional, special operations, smaller units and more select. And, um, but it, it's a reaction that's that I think every, every special operations unit would do if they had gone down the same rows that the SEALs had the last, was it three, four years where things have started to kind of dip down a little bit. So, um, yeah. And, I, yeah. and they're, they're putting, if I could just say no, no, know, go in ahead. that article. And the reason I read the whole article is because they're also, they're, they're kind of putting a lot of different things into one category yeah. in, you know, into one article. There's a big difference between sexual assault and drug use and all that. And two guys who wrote books. Why are these yeah, even in the same category? That one, that killed me. I, hey, the guys wrote the books. Matt especially wrote the books when he saw it. It came after President Obama and all that administration was taking yeah. all this credit for doing such an awesome job. Then he said, Oh no, you're not going to do that. This is horseshit. You know, and I, I have no problem with what Matt did. And I read the book, and there's nothing classified or even remotely even even need to know in the book. It's just what happened, and he did it. I, I'm not going to. I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. This is just what I saw. 
The book came out after DC started taking a hell of a lot more credit than they ever deserved for the Obama, for the Obama, <laughs> for, this, for the, for the Osama, Osama and Obama. For the, uh, sorry, sorry. Right now. I understand for the, for the Osama bin Laden. Raid. <laughs> I, yeah. So I got no, that. so that's horse shit. And you know what you guys, I, I hate the Pentagon and DC when they do this shit because they're the first ones that are going to go out and say, Hey, look what we did. Look what we did. And yeah, stand I mean, up on been- CNN or Fox or whatever. And, ah, look how awesome we are. Then write their own memoirs where the guy's actually doing the work. They get no credit at all. I mean, Nothing. it can, it continues today with a September yeah. 11th pull-out day. That's what that is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's that, you know, that's, that's the media. That's the politicians. That's the agendas sneaking their way in there. Ah, oh, we're going to crack down. Nobody needs to say nothing. Well, you know what? Then get your sergeant majors and get your lieutenant, uh, your, get your generals and get your command, uh, lieutenant commanders and get them all off the TV. All right. If that's the case, then it's got to be all one way, not just, just for those guys on the ground, quiet professionals. But hey, we're going to stand up on the mountainside and say, look what we did. Let's take credit. Oh, good job, President Biden. Good job, President Trump. Good job, President, President Obama, when they didn't do anything. But just say, hey, go ahead, do mission. <laughs> when the guys are out there dodging bullets, literally, and, and 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 staying alive when their helicopter crashes into the damn in the damn garden there and and then trying to get out and finding ways to get out of the compound when all they have was one helicopter to, to get them all. It's, politicians that that's I hated that part of the article and you're right. I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, But again, with, with what I read, this is, we're just going back to fighting conventional units. It's just web and flow. Okay. We got the terrorism side. Terrorism is, it's never going to be dead. It will come back. If we don't focus on it, we don't keep our foot on it. Like say, Hey, stay down. It will come back. So we're leaving our foot off of it. Terrorism is going to come back because we're moving back to fighting conventional forces or Cold War type war or a Cold War, which we fought under Reagan. And it's it's just an ebb and flow, dude. It, it really is. I, I, I don't see as anything different than anything changing. It's just it's just war and the craziness in this world. So uh yeah, and, and but I, I also don't think that saying, hey, yeah, we're going to get more high quality leaders by doing all this extra stuff. I, maybe, uh, you know, who knows, man? I, I don't think a, a pad and a piece of paper or a checklist can determine a good leader or not. It, it's And being able to not see somebody when you're doing the interview, that's part of the interview process is you're reading those little. I've been on both sides. You're reading the mannerisms of that individual. Um, just taking their words and what they're saying without putting some subject, you got to have some subject subjectivity in your, in your vetting process, because you can read when a guy or a girl, whatever, sorry, guys, uh, remember gender neutral guy term here on Battle well, I mean, Podcast. If it's, if it's Navy SEALs, I mean, at this point, yeah, at this point. <laughs> they are all guys. I know that they're trying to change that, but it hasn't been changed yet. But it's 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 where you have to read those little mannerisms, the little twitches, the little eye flinches when you talk about death, or or the little, you know, uh, just the little twink, the, I, I don't know, twicks of the mouth, the little frowns and smiles when you ask a question, and you can read somebody or body language when they're shifting around, when somebody wants to be the first on their block to get a confirmed kill, <laughs> and someone that actually wants to be there because they're patriotic and loves what they do and loves the men and women that they're working with. Um, so I, I don't know if that's going to help at all, but again, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess we'll see, I, but I do know what, that's what they're trying to do from reading the articles. They're just trying to maintain more control of the SEAL teams and by making them bigger, are they going to be more lethal? No, 
It's not, no, not at all. They're, they'll have more guys, I guess. So I guess they'll have more bullets to shoot in at an op, but that's not going to make them more lethal. They're just making them bigger because so they can, and, and removing money of the teams. So their commanders have less to control, less to try to control. They have bigger guys, less teams. I got more, it's easier for me to control my guys than having little teams spread out everywhere where now you have, you, you really can't maintain any control. Think of it having eight kids and compared to two kids yeah. at a, at a park. That's how it is. That's exactly eight kids. You can't control them at a park, two kids. Yeah. I can manage that. Even if they're bigger kids. <laughs> so uh, it, it, it's, 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 it's kind of a knee jerk reaction. So I'm kind of being hypocritical here. Um, I think it's necessary. I think it is because of what happened. There, something had to be done. Um, but is this going to save it and be the end all be all? Is it going to make it any better? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's going to make it any worse, but time will tell. Um, I, and the lethality part of the article, no, they're not going to be any more lethal being a bigger unit. And the book part of the article had nothing to do with the rest of it. Mur- yeah, like I said, murder and and shooting at, at, at non-combatants and trying to kill non-combatants is completely different than writing a book after every person in that Obama administration was taking credit for the death of Osama bin Laden when they shouldn't yeah. have. So there is a, I mean, look, I've met Rob O'Neill. I've, I've no problem with the guy writing a book, but I will say there's a little bit of a difference between, I think, and, and maybe you don't, you writing a book and him writing a book because from what I know, and I think you've said it, your identity was pretty much already out there. You were yeah. kind of, you know, uh, it was not known that Rob was on that team until he came out and he said, I am the shooter. Yeah. yeah. He no, did I, take credit for that. And, and he was anonymous until then. And that's something where you let the teams handle their own, handle, handle their own mess or handle their own guys. And I said that when he came out, I was like, man, uh, you know, is he doing this because he needs to because somebody lied or is a, or a politician saying this happened and it didn't, or they're disrespecting his team or his brothers or the guys that, that were there and saying that things happened that didn't happen. Or was he doing it for, Hey, ego is this, I don't know. I'm, I, Rob will have to answer that. But again, with something like that, as a ranger, you go, no, that's not my lane seals. You handle your own. If it was on our side of the house and the ranger side of the house, well, okay, seals, you stay out of this. We got it. And that's a respect between, between the community, PJs, night stalkers, rangers, Delta, SF seals. If it's something that's internal, you let those guys handle it internally. That's our respect to them saying, you guys take care of your own, take care of your own guys. And they're the same with, with, with like the same with rangers with the same on the other side. So uh, no, I, I, I can have my opinion, but when it comes right down to it, no, SEALs, you, you have to handle, and I'm sure they have. I'm sure Rob has had talks with guys in the, you know, on his team or that he served with where some are like, dude, you shouldn't have done that. Um, and that, but that's okay. It's, it's behind closed doors or it's at a bar at a, having a drink and it's something that's handled within, within internally itself. And that's, that's the way it needs to be handled. Yeah. Um, Although there apparently are guys on TV and I saw Rob even tweeted it out um, who are masked. They, they don't have their faces yeah. shown who are at least currently ser- serving, I think, or did serve in the seals and they're criticizing him and they're criticizing Matt Bissonette. So, you know, they went back and forth on that. We could talk about this forever. Yeah. <laughs> we do have to get to John Burke. So before, before we do, um, Bub's Naturals has been absolutely amazing for us. It's something I use regularly and yeah. I know you do as well. 
Um, There's so many products out there in terms of post-workout protein, but I think collagen is really a game changer for guys who have not used it yet. No, it's fantastic. Um, it it's, does help me again with the ulcerative colitis, you know, the CBD oil help with NEDs. And then when I got on bubs after it, it's made a heck of a lot of difference. I, I've never been able to take protein powder, whether it be whey protein, whether it be what is it, what's the what's the other ones, the dairy and non-dairy proteins, whatever, all, all the stuff that. Yeah, there's like egg protein, egg there's whey pro- isolate and whey concentrate. I yeah. can't, as having ulcerative colitis or, or if you suffer from inflammatory bowel disease, any sort of that ulcerative colitis, Crohn's, so forth, it's that it's painful to take those proteins. They don't, they don't help at all. Sometimes they instigate flare-ups where when I started taking bubs, it, it was awesome. I mean, I could, I could feel, especially the MCT oil, I could feel actually my energy levels going up. I, I took it as a pre-workout. The protein powder never upset my stomach. And yeah, it's, I, I can tell actually it's starting to, it's, it's working. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting my muscle, you know, it's a lot of more muscle tone back. And again, my you energy good, dude. Well, thanks, brother. <laughs> and, and my recovery times have been, have been, you know, decreased. I was, wasn't able really to work out hard every day of the week. Like I did when I was 30 and now I can't, I do take a day off on Friday. Like today's my day off, but I'm able to work work out six days a week again. And I'm 50 and I work out hard. I ran five miles yesterday and then I did 110 pushups downstairs. I also, then I did a thousand ab exercises Damn. and then I went and worked, and then I went and worked out in the yard for a little while, throwing, throwing sod and, and, uh, and, um, and a mulch around. So it, it works. It's awesome. It's fantastic. And again, if you're a sufferer from inflammatory bowel disease, I highly recommend it. And the joints too, the joints aren't as painful anymore. My back doesn't hurt, hurt as much anymore. It, you know, I'm old, I'm gonna have a little bit of a pain, but I'm able to still run and runners, you know, this, when your back is hurting, it's hard to run and running on it more just makes it worse. Well, it, it's, it's not that way anymore. I've, I've a hundred times better now being on bubs and I highly recommend it. And the fountain of youth formula. He's right. We were, we had a, we had a, um, Sean, Mike, Sean, yeah. on, Sean, Sean on the show. My hair's actually growing. Again. <laughs> my nails, I have to cut my fingernails every two, three days, which it, it works, dude. It's all building up. So I highly recommend it guys. Bubs naturals. Um, but it takes a little time to get in your system and work. It does. So, you know, give it, give it, give it a month. And then after a month, you'll start to see results. But as me and I will always tell you, you still have to put in the work. You're not going to see results if you're not putting in the work. So you got to do that. For sure. And the great thing is it's it's just one ingredient. It's just cowhide ground up. And that is why it won't inflame your gut or anything like that. Even if you have lactose issues and, and things like yeah. that, when you do have whey, it's not a lactose product. Um, that's the only ingredient. So you guys are going to love it. And, and also the skin elasticity. Uh, it just helps with so many different things. Um, and you can read more about it if you listen back to the episode with Sean Lake. We go really in-depth. So if you want to check that one out after you're done with this. But go to uh, bubsnaturals.com. Use the promo code BATTLELINE, and you're going to get 20% off. And we should also throw in there um, that that pro- proceeds, you know, 10% yeah. goes to the Glenn Doherty Memorial Foundation. Yep. Yep. And so we love the mission. We love the product. So check it out, bubsnaturals.com. Promo code BATTLELINE. And as always, every show is brought to you by Fort Scott Munitions. Fort Scott is a manufacturer of multi federal patented solid copper and brass, CNC spun ammunition, 
It's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring you're going to receive the same results with every pull of the trigger. And uh, right now, it is not available on the website because it's going so fast. Yeah. You've heard us say <laughs> that. So go to fortscottmunitions.com, go to the dealer locator, enter your zip code, and chances are you're going to find something within five to 10 miles of you. Yeah, that, that's the best way to do it, guys, at the moment, just because they, they are so backed up. But um, they still are getting it out to their to the the stores that they uh, they use and their distributors. So hit that relocator, check it out. You'll find some ammo. And again, it's, it's the best ammo on the planet by far. And it's still, though, on their website, you can also still get their merchandise. They have great apparel. Yes. Um, it's all it's all that next level material that that a lot of us like to wear i'm even wearing today the, our i am line, too my, yeah, my bon jovi shirt is next level it's, it's next level <laughs> you know our battle line podcast shirts are yes. best level. it's all that soft good material and um yeah and you know they do an excellent job and they take their products seriously so that even the t-shirts even the t-shirts they're they're very very well made as far as the uh logos and stuff that are put on them and um my favorite though is is if you didn't know this guy's ryan craft who owns for over for scott yep he's a big sasquatch i think I, I think i said it before he loves he really believes there's a sasquatch there's a skunk ape out there in missouri because fort scott's right next to missouri he really believes and the sasquatch is in canada so there's a shirt that has a sasquatch on the back of it so if you dig that and that's my favorite fort scott shirt aside from the one that looks like an atari game the, the old atari yes that one's cool too that that so check out their apparel as well and make sure you put in our, our battle line uh, promo code so you get your discount. Don't forget to do that. It, it saves yeah. you money, man. 20% is a big deal. 15%. Oh, 15% <laughs> is even a big deal, too. But yeah. Ryan, sorry, I threw you under the bus. No, it's cool. It's but um, well. yeah, you can check out any of those shirts that we're talking about right on the website, fortscottmunitions.com. Uh, use promo code BATTLELINE. Once again, you will get 15% off. And Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto. Battle Line Tactical and the Battle Line Podcast, and let's get right over, over to uh, John Burke. So, joining us for the first time on Battle Line Podcast, John Burke, Army Infantry Combat Veteran of Iraq and Afghanistan, host of various things on social media, and honestly, to us, you're like an A-list guest because from the very beginning, Chris has said we got to get John Burke on, and now we're 81 episodes deep. We're finally doing it, so it's That's an awesome. honor to have you on, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. Eighty-one episodes, man. That's dedication right there. Respect. I, know. I don't have. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't have that sort of dedication either. I don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> as long as you got a partnership that like, <laughs> it's like it's like having a gym partner. One day, so it's like ah, I just don't feel like yeah, a bitch. Like you're going. Like, Let, let's go. Well, that's true because he. Had, I used to say that to you, and I'm like, man, I really don't want to do today. He's like, no, get on. As soon as you get on, it'll be fun. You will start, and it always is. But there are times he'll get. He'll be like, are you good? I'm like, fuck off. I don't want to do this today. Dude. I would do. I was the exact same when I was doing gay porn. I was like, man, I just don't feel like doing this today. I was like, look, come on, just you'll be fine. Take it. You're done. <laughs> it, exactly. So, yeah. Hey, 2020, man. That's himself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I had actually, a lot of people don't know this about me. I'd actually auditioned when I was stationed in Germany 
uh, to become a porn star. Like they actually had open, they, no, they had open auditions. So when I went in, they said my application was too short. Oh, that. Oh, damn. <laughs> All right, you got you got me. You got me. You got me. You got me. No, they actually did have porn auditions, but no, I didn't. No. Uh, they they legitimately had open porn auditions, and it was it wasn't bomb holder Germany, but where it was in Germany, you know, you know the Germans. God bless yeah, oh my god, they don't yeah. care. They don't care. Yeah. Boys, you want to make the uh, the, the fiki fiki? Okay, yeah, that's good. Come on, come and see here. Come and see here. Put on the pants. I don't, I don't know if that's how they do it or not. In that, my that, mind, it is. That was spot on, as far as I know. And I'm Mexican, but hey, it sounded German to me. I, I think it was good. So, uh, so all you Germans out there, never mind. I just say well, I got nothing. To say. I got nothing. Give it the lunch, Sam. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, Ian, Ian's speechless right now. He's just like, look, and that's. that's <laughs> no, I'm sure Ian's I'm got a lot to say. I'm sure I, Ian's got a lot to say. <laughs> but hey, um, yo, we got you on. You know, a lot of guys, uh, you know, know you from social media, brother, and they they know you know on the poli- and, and politics. Be, we don't really get into it too much on this show. What people don't know, Why and the hell am I here then? <laughs> I know exactly. What the hell? That's all he is is politics. Yeah. You know, I I know some of your backstory, your service, and. A lot of them, and, you, and especially a lot of the haters, they don't know. I mean, it's funny. They, they think, it, you, oh, yeah, he went to, he was a National Guard guy for a year. That's all he did. So <laughs> yeah. we, we do get a lot of listeners, though, that young guys that want to join. And mm-hmm. you you were a drill sergeant as well. Mm-hmm. And you served. And you served with the 101st, which is, which is that's a good unit. It's one of the top yeah. infantry units in the Army. I, I want to get a lot of the Rangers. It, it does. <laughs> it, it does. As far as, far as, as far as, as far as, as far as 101st is, I, I got you. I'll let that one slide, even though you're late to. Right. <laughs> I knew the airborne thing was coming. Oh, my it's like, yeah, here's a, here's a dirty leg talking smack yeah, to an airborne range. So, like, what world do we live in? It's so in the cool. military world, you don't do that. Like, yeah. a leg talking smack about the Ranger Red? Like, no, you don't. Then when you get out, it's like, oh, it's no holds barred. Like, it's, then it's back and forth. And then all we do is just like, oh, whatever. I roll, insert I roll here. Yeah, come on. Yeah. They're coming. Motherfucker, you. Because yeah. it just doesn't work. And, brother, you got the gift of gab. I don't. So, in a, in a verbal you, jujitsu, you, you get paid to speak. Like, it's not because you suck. People don't pay you good money yeah, because that Chris Barano sucks. I'm giving you respect, though. Your verbal jujitsu is much tighter than mine. You are much more solid on your verbal jujitsu than me. Well, I roll a lot. And by roll, I mean debate a lot. By <laughs> debate a lot, I mean I get my ass handed to me on the great. So it's, you know, you, you either adapt and overcome or you just go in the fetal position and just let them have their way. Much like my gay porn career. That's what it was. Well, before gay porn, before all that, can I do. I, I want people to if, go into. I would like to hear from your military aspect, and if you have any stories from Iraq that you can tell tell our listeners, and you know, and give your. I know you're always honest, dude, and I know you are. Uh, um, so uh, the young people, give them straight up. They guys that want to join. We get questions all the time. Or hey, guys, want to join? What can I expect? I want to go here. What can I expect? And being yeah, a drill sergeant, I think, I think that you have hard not to get political on that one, Chris. It's hard not well, to get political on that. You can you can say whatever you're not. I won't. I won't. You can't. You no. dude. We're we're no holds barred here. Well, you and, can definitely get and it'd be you know it'd be difficult this year with with the politics how it is. The military is not the military as it was when we went in and in, in the you know I went in the '90s. You were right around the same time frame, weren't you? To, when did you go in, bro? We. We were, you were I two, was in 2001. Two, yeah, so, I, I actually listed right before 9-11. It was two months prior to 9-11. I flew out of New York on 9-10 wow. because I was saying goodbye to my family that lived up there because I was going to go and let, or I was shipping out to basic training. Uh, before I get started, that is an authentic uh, World War II Nazi uniform for anybody asking because I'm going to be filming a skit 
about um, the socialist slash fascists on social media now that are like shutting down all conservative commentation stuff. So I'm gonna have the uh, I've got this for my armband. It's be nice. <laughs> yeah, we don't have the video, so it's it's like a Nazi armband, but with the Twitter with the Twitter bird. with the Twitter emblem on it. Right, let's take a look. I've got I've got everything. I got the freaking I got the hat. <laughs> oh, it's got Facebook. Um, it's got Facebook on on the Nazi. Bro, dude, that's all. If this doesn't get me banned, I don't know what will. Like I'm going uh, I'm going to the moon on this one. So because uh, I know somebody's like, is that a, is that a Nazi uniform in the background? <laughs> no, we don't have we don't have video anyway. So you know. I'm, oh well, then we're good. Never mind. Hey, as far as you know, there's no Nazi uniform in the background of John's room. So I just want to let you know that right now. <laughs> Right, yeah. You know what? We're all into whatever we're into sexually. You know, if I like uh, role playing, beating the snot out of a Nazi for some S and M kinks, don't judge me. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if, if if somebody came to me today and asked me what to expect, man, I I've been out of the army, geez, uh, since 2016. Yeah. Um, it, it's changed so much. Even the difference, the time frame in between when you came in, Chris, when well, I yeah, came it. in, was it's constantly evolving and changing. So I, I wish I could give you an accurate answer of what to expect. Um. Could you get could you get more change. into like your backstory of though of of oh yeah yeah sure. yeah because I'd love to hear that yeah I yeah yeah I, definitely it was uh, so no shit there I was uh, <laughs> seventeen years old um, I I grew up in this like this this small Friday night lights kind of high school football team or town everything revolved around high school football like literally the amount of support from the community when it came to high school football in in Texas where I'm at. Uh, it's just, it, it's awesome to see community come together like that supports something like to have a nucleus, especially that's fitness based and have all that support is a wonderful thing, but it's not so wonderful if you don't play football, which I was, I was a runt. I didn't play. I did baseball. I did one day of track. Uh, I showed up for my track tryouts in Converse sneakers because that's what you do when you don't know what the hell you're doing. So yeah, I showed up in Converse sneakers. I got laughed off the field. So I, I did one hurdle, busted my ass. I was like, you know what? This ain't for me. This this is not for me. Usain Bolt, thou are not John. So I was like, <laughs> I'm on my own. But I uh, I grew up in that town, and uh, I just I didn't have a good home life. Uh, my childhood was just kind of wasn't the worst. I'm not even gonna like paint myself out to be some kind of victim. It just it wasn't the best. When you kind of when you have friends that actually have normal childhoods, and it's like, wow, my childhood's like really fucked up compared to yours. <laughs> you had a father. I was like, what was that like? So, wow, that's crazy to me. But I dropped out of school when I was 16 because I hated it, man. I hated it. It sounds horrible now. Um, it, I hated learning just dumb things that I knew that even at 16 years old, I was like, I'm never going to use this. Like, I, I would never use this. And I certainly wasn't smarter than the teachers or anything, but I just I had a difficult time trying to learn things like you know we as science has progressed as as so society has progressed we've come to understand that we all learn differently and it's, it's beautiful if you think about it like the three different methods of learning like audio visual kinesthetic like i'm more of a hands-on approach as most military people are because we're just very involved so i dropped out and um i enlisted in the delayed entry program i was at depper and uh i was waiting for my ship dates and then 9 11 happened and that kind of pushed it back a little bit. So I thought I was going into a peacetime army to go get some college schooling just to get the hell out of my town, get away from just kind of go head west, young man, make your fortune. So I did it. And uh, I originally actually, not a lot of people know this, I originally went to the Marine Corps office. I wanted to be a Marine. And so I asked the Marines, like, can I be infantry? And they're like, well, you got to test out after boot camp. And then after that, we'll determine your job. And I was like, even at 16, I was like, are you fucking stupid? Like, no. And so the army, like the the army dude, like 
peeps his head out of the thing. He's like, hey there, we'll give you infantry. So, I'm your man. So, like on cue, like this, yeah, this tiny little army dude's like, hey buddy, I got you. He actually wasn't my recruiter or somebody else. He, he overheard me. He's like, we'll give you infantry. Some Marine Corps guys are just like, you motherfuckers. But the army knew how to do it. So I enlisted to be a grunt, went to basic training. And Chris, you'll appreciate this. Um, I spent almost two months at 30th AG. Holy crap. Why? Because I had my GED and all the high school graduates that had diplomas got pushed ahead of us. So we we were stuck at 30th AG until all the high school people got pushed through. So so and that so, was yeah. So you guys they had a GED platoon, that's what they did at 30th AG. Basically, Dude, what there was they were a bunch doing? of us. Yeah, wow. there was a bunch of us. That's yeah, and I don't even why it mattered. Like I don't know why it mattered, but yeah. apparently if you're GED, you're kind of like the the referee. It's like put those uneducated peasants over there and like, <laughs> let the let the educated kids come in, even though it was a private, everybody's stupid. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was there for like two months and it felt like freaking hard time. Bro. Wow. Literally, and everybody's, for those that don't know, it's literally open bay barracks. Yeah. Um, everything is regimented. You can't work out because you're still not covered by the military insurance. You still haven't underwent your physical. So you're yeah. waiting to get issued your uniforms, everything. So you're literally in purgatory. Like if, if we could like yeah. delve yeah. down into Dante's seven or eight or nine layers of hell, sounds like a salad to me, whatever. If we could <laughs> delve down into those layers of hell, purgatory would be 30th AG. That's where it would be like, you would literally have to in process, the demons would be wearing army uniforms and the lunch ladies would be the biggest assholes you've ever met in your entire life. And guess what? You can't eat the good food either. You got to eat the shit food. You got to eat shit food. You got to eat shit food. And you have to, man, I can't believe, because after 60 days, I would have been, I know you were like, man, if I had gone to my unit, I'd almost be, I'd be halfway done with basic right now. And you, like, yeah. man, that even dr- just destroys your hope too, right? It does. Yeah. <laughs> oh we had dudes going AWOL left and right. Left and that's back when they actually still rounded you up. Like now, people don't care. They're very well, whatever. We'll style process you. You're done. Back then, they would go after people and pull them back. But I did that, went down. They called it downrange to the uh, basic training. And I did my time, got stationed in Bombholder, Germany. And uh, yeah, I actually had a Ranger contract. I had a Ranger contract and complete transparency. I got scared. I was 17, or I was six, 17 years old and I got scared. I dropped my contract. I wanted to go straight to my unit. I don't want to do the whole ranger thing. And so I do regret that at times, but at the other times, it's kind of like it, it got me where I'm at now. Oh, so yeah, that's, that's the path that you were supposed to be on, man. That's just that's yeah. how it is. And now was that when you got to Germany or was that, was that, that was in basic training. Cause they said basic, essentially yeah. they're like, yeah, you still have a long way to go in this pipeline. And after doing like 60 days of 30th and then going into fucking pre-ranger and then rangers like, now I'm done. I want to go to a unit. I want to go do stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it didn't really help that my first sergeant at the time, I remember him his first sergeant Smith, a uh, short little stumpy dude comes out and was like, well, men's, we going to war. We're like, what's he talking about? And so we'd actually go to the DFAC and we saw the news and we're just like, we saw like Afghanistan kicking off, all that stuff. And, you know, drill sergeants back then, young privates, you don't know. I mean, even today, you don't know what the hell's going on in the real world. So he comes and says, we're about to pack our bags. We're going to war. And I'm just like, but I haven't even qualified with my rifle yet. Like, <laughs> I didn't understand what he's talking about, but he was just trying to pump us up to get us ready to go fight, you know, do the thing. So did, did graduated. You have a, I'm just wondering, did you have a desire to go over there and fight like a lot of guys do? Because when you oh, said yeah. you went in there yeah. thinking it was peacetime, you were amped for it. Oh, yeah. It, you know, it didn't change my perspective. It didn't change why I wanted to join. I just still wanted to get the hell out of my town. So this means I get to go over there and, you know, and not to get political. It's funny you, you bring this up because I was literally on my way back from the gas station. I had to go pick up my car from the uh, auto body shop. I got freaking 18 wheeler threw a piece of metal on my hood and they had to fix it i ran into this retired dude he had his, his retirement hat on and you know i said hey man i just want to where were you at hey old timer where were you at and he was like oh man i served a bunch of different units he was aviation and then uh, we got to talking about uh the war now and he said he did 30 something years retired his son's in now 
And we both came to the common consensus that both of us are against the war at this point, because once you start to understand and think about what you're fighting for, it kind of it doesn't re- it doesn't resonate so well with you anymore. So at the time, it was during the whole Toby Keith era of like freedom cost a buck oh five, freedom ain't free, blah, 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 blah. put a boot in your ass, Toby Keith, blah, blah. and everybody's like, yeah, let's go fight, let's go kill freaking yeah. I'm not gonna c- tell you what we called them, but uh, yeah. And so it was just this idea is like we're gonna go fight, the- we're gonna go fight the Hun. Yeah, and it was yeah. like being back in World War II with like all the freaking patriotic propaganda over there, over there. <laughs> like, yeah, but where the hell is Iraq? Like I don't even know where it's at on the map, but I just know those little bastards bombed us. So you get in there, and it's just like you, you, you know, you're, you're brainwashed, dude. You're, you're brainwashed. It's all you can say. And and I'm I'm joking about this, but when I think about it in a serious tone or a somber tone, it's very bothersome. It's insanely bothersome. But you got to joke about it or you laugh or you yeah. cry or you blow your fucking brains out. It's, yeah. it's yeah. Even saying that's going to offend a lot of people, but I don't, I don't know. And that, but that's, that's, that's the truth. And we've all been there. I've, I've made it, yeah. I've, I've had not had the guts. I've had the guts to get there, but not the guts to pull the trigger three times. So yeah. I, and yeah. I, there's, there's no shame in that. And what you're saying nah. is something I would, I would agree with as well. When I fir- first went over, you're like, okay, it's something bigger. I'm here for something bigger than myself. This yeah. is, and yeah, then, and then, yeah, yeah. Then in 2000, my last trip was 2013. It was, and, and bro, that's why we actually put, we, we put that in the movie of Jack and Ty talking. It was really all of us putting our ideas together saying, hey, we need to say something to people that it's not what it was when we first started. We're, this is not something bigger anymore. That something bigger has gone. It's gone. Yeah. And yeah. I, I completely agree with you. I, and Ian and I talk about this now. I, we don't overthrow dictators. That's not what we need to be doing. Our foreign policies, it's not over there to destabilize regions. And that's what we're doing. And it's, it's no, I, but if my son said, Hey, I want to join the army, I still wouldn't talk him. I, as much as I know, I, I would, I would feel, I would feel, okay. It, I would just point him. I said, if you're going to join though, you're yeah. going that route. You're going, you're going to be with guys that, and the smaller units that, that are still motivated mm-hmm. that want to be there. We're nothing against 101st or 82nd, but it's just so big. Oh, no. It's just so yeah. monstrous that, yeah, you have yeah. great platoons and then you yeah. have. And shit. you got some. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the same because I've worked with ODAs before. Uh, we had some SEALs come out. We were at in Afghanistan. I'll get more into that in a little bit where we were in um, Kunar uh, province, Afghanistan, like right outside the Korangal Valley. We had SEALs that would come in and they they left seat, right seat with us to uh, get eyes on what the territory is like because they would have teams that would be operating in that area. And these dudes, you know, nothing against them. But they, they didn't know what they were walking into. Like what we saw in Afghanistan was black and white compared to Iraq. You know, I was there for the invasion of Iraq. We did 17 months on my first tour. My second tour was 15 months in the Sunni Triangle. Wow. Uh, like I, it got to the point where like, I didn't want to fight anymore because I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm tired of this bullshit. Like I'm tired of the fighting. And not just because I was against it. It's like I'm just tired of fucking fighting. Uh, and I could not get out of a fucking deployment to save my life. Not that I wanted to, but it's just kind of like, you know, I'm going to gamble, roll the dice. And where the chips fall, the chips fall. It's like, oh. Boom, 101st. Get to 101st. He's like, oh, boom, Bastogne. Six months, you're going to Afghanistan. It's like, motherfucker, I can't catch a break. Jeez. And it's like, get to a new unit, you're going over. Get to a new unit, you're going over. Like, I barely had any time stateside. So, but yeah, you're right. It's not what it was when we first enlisted. It changed. Um, And I think a lot of that was due in part to the Iraqi and Afghani people not standing. And it's, it's not so simplistic to just say this was the single problem. There was mo- it was multifaceted problems that that the top tier gen. This is why I really hate the military. I shouldn't say hate them. I hated being in the military, serving under people that I knew were so out of touch with the troopers on the ground. They didn't know what was going on. We would have generals fly into our little cop, and you know they would they would flat out say, "It's like uh, we didn't know this was going on." It's like, 
Like, bro, like, the sergeant major of the army literally flew his cop. I think it was, I forget who it was at the time, literally flew into our cop and said, your objective here at this base is to stay alive because in, in 11 months we're pulling out. Like this is, we can't get government influence out here. There's no point. We're wasting money. Stay alive for 11 months and we're going to bring you boys home and shut this whole thing down. So it's just like, then why the fuck are we here? Like we lost 55 men in our brigade yeah. during the deployment. Why? Like why do we, so th- th- yeah, it did change a lot, but it was, um, it was, I mean, you could, you could sit here and spend hours as to why it, it was a failed thing because Nine times out of 10, it's because the higher ups are putting their fingers in the pie when they shouldn't even be there. You leave it to your ground forces, your ground commanders to make those decisions and calls. But unfortunately, it wasn't done that way. People weren't listening to intelligence coming from the ground units. It was just a big clusterfuck. And then you're right. You have a lot. I had a battalion commander. He's a general somewhere now. And he's absolutely loved. Like this guy got men killed in an ambush. Like he legitimately didn't listen to his NCOs and he legit got men killed and they promoted the motherfucker. So it's just one of these things of like, it's, I wish I could sit here and lie to people. I wish I could sit here and lie to these young bucks wanting to join the military. You're going to have people that are pieces of shit. The military is going to freaking, they're going to cover up for it. They're going to, you know, if you're, if you're connected, if you're a ring knocker, West Pointer, if you have those connections, if you're an NCO that knows somebody, they're protected and it sucks. That's just the way the system is. But people ask me all the time. It's like, should I join? And Chris, man, I, I can't lie to you. In my mind, it's like, if you've got nothing going on and you've got no objective on the horizon, yeah, go do some time in the military, but don't think that you're joining your grandfather's army and don't think that you're fighting for some kind of noble cause because you're not. I was like, if you really think about it, it's like, did we even fight for America's freedom? Like maybe freedom from potential domestic terrorist attacks, possibly by keeping it staved over there. But in the grand scheme of things, you look at the history of the Taliban, you know, and this is something I didn't know. It's 17 year old private Burke. Nobody really knew. It's like, I wish I could go back and tell myself, Go look what the America. Go look what the America had in in relation to Taliban during the Russian War. Look what America did, and then look what America didn't do to support the Taliban. Yeah. Once we're <laughs> left them hanging high and dry, it's like we created that enemy. Okay. So, and it's not that I blame America. I blame the government. I blame the government for making very poor choices that didn't back our then allies enough, and then left them hanging to get slaughtered. Once we were, you know, Russia pulled it. It just. And, and we do that. That's that's kind of a DC. Yeah. That's a political thing. It's not just in. Yeah. You know, it, it's happened before. Where we just. I always say we're like, we like we go to these countries. We have a big party. It's like having mm-hmm. a big bash, a big kegger, and then we leave and say, okay, you guys can clean it up. We, we made the mess, but yeah. And I I felt yeah. that way as well. Um, I said I I and your your vision and your your views. It's it's people need to hear that view because being with a conventional unit as well, you got to see things that I didn't get to see. And, and we're very lucky that, that not saying the command structure, we got our shit bags too. It's just, we have less command, less commanders that we have to answer to where you're in a brigade, yeah. a division or so forth. You've got commander after commander, mm-hmm. after commander, after commander. You got so many freaking Indians or so many chiefs. It's, yeah, it's unbelievable. And that's why I would say if my son, I would always say what I did go to college. Just like I did go to college first, go get your degree. If you still want to join after that, Go ahead, but if you're going to join, yeah, you get a ranger contract, you get a SF con, you do something where you're at least your minimal ex- exposure to exactly. stupid people. Yeah, like I was talking about, like I worked with SEALs and ODA guys that you'd have ship bags that yeah. slip through the cracks. You still no, have you some do. commanders that are pieces of shit, but your chances of, of having some that are, are way more minimal than being a conventional unit, hundred percent. Yeah, it, it absolutely. It, it, but that's 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 you know, and that's great to hear with that because the guys do want to hear that. They need to hear, it. and that, that helps them make a well-deformed decision where it's just like me and you. Yeah, that's what your your <laughs> your your uh, your story about the uh, 
recruiter, it's like, hey, same thing as me. It's like, hey, dude, I wanna, <laughs> come on, come on. I got, hey, I got some candy over here. You want to come join? <laughs> and that's, that's how it was. It was yeah. now, now at least guys, cause I didn't have anybody to lean on to ask, you know, I couldn't yeah. ask anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, now, everybody from my generation, it was the relics of Desert Storm. Those are the only combat veterans. But even then, I didn't know anybody. I, I thought I was joining my grandfather's army. I thought we were getting steel pot for helmets. I thought that they, you know, we're going to go over there. We're going we're gonna to go fight the Krauts. You know, we're going to take it to the Huns and stuff like that. And then you get in there and it's like, yeah, this wasn't what I was expecting. And, you know, but it was still hard. Don't get me wrong. Like, we didn't get hit yet with all the uh, politically correct bullshit that you see today. Like, when I was on the trail, dude. I remember at one point my drill sergeant had us in the front leaning rest for over an hour, like literally in the front leaning rest for over an hour. You couldn't get up. And so and if you did, you'd go to your knees and they'd just scream at you. Drill would put his freaking the brim of his hat right there on the bridge of your nose and just like <clears throat> and rub it. We didn't have hands on unless you gave drill a reason to like you flag somebody. There's something unsafe. Uh, but when I was on the trail, dude, you couldn't even make him do any more than 10 pushups at a time. Well, that's all I wanted to go into next your time as a drill sergeant. Cause a lot of people, yeah. I, unless they follow you on Instagram, they see you do a picture every once in a while. They didn't know you were a drill sergeant. And yeah. it's funny when guy, when, uh, when the trolls get on your site and you talk about leadership and they, Oh, what the hell do you know about leadership? I'm like, uh, I just kind of have to chuckle. I don't do that. <laughs> I'm like, so yeah, tell, you know, you could, you could sit there and flex on these people, but it's easier for the the followers to do it. It's it like, I mean, it if you want to look at like, what, what do I know about leadership? It's like, well, I know this. I know that every book I read didn't do shit for me until I actually got out there got in the it. field and, and in woodline and you actually trained. And so applied. that's why you have that. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So it was, man, I did everything from freaking rifleman, machine gunner, the freaking AG team leader, weapon squad leader. Then I eventually got out. I did my time as a platoon sergeant in the 101st, and then I got selected to go be a drill, and then I got to go picked to go be a uh, small group leader at the NCO Academy in Fort Stewart. And after that point, it's like, deuces, I'm out. I'm going to go do some other, other stuff. But, yeah, I've got, I've got a little bit of experience when it comes to leadership, what, which what, is why what, I'm yeah, what's your, doing my own me, company now. I want to know your drill sergeant time because I don't know much about that. We, I, know, I know stuff we've talked about your 101st time, um, but drill sergeant time, when you went to that route and – did you choose that route or was it, I mean, I guess you only had options, right? You could have been a recruiter or a drill sergeant. Yeah. Is that the options back then? So, yeah. So for those that don't, I think it's still the same. I think when you're in for so long, you are eventually going to have to go do a TDA assignment. And usually those assignments, when you're not in the spec ops world, you're either going to have to go do recruiting or drill duty or some other kind of freaking uh, position. Uh, but if you choose like range cadre or something like that, your career is over. It's not a place to go to get promoted. And I'm not calling those people that get picked to do that shit bags or anything, but it's like if you got a a range instructor, it's like that's not that's not the best. And maybe it's changed since then. I don't know. But I'd actually I was in Afghanistan, and I don't know if they still have AKO Army Knowledge Online. Yeah, that was I, like I don't the know. Biggest, if they did. Oh my gosh, I forgot about I, that. That right, was, good, good. <laughs> that I think forget Iraq and Afghanistan. That was the shit that gave us PTSD. <laughs> like SSD one, S like what the fuck is this shit? Like who? Like we, I'm glad we did not have this shit during Vietnam, or we would have lost way more dudes to suicide than we already have because that shit's fucking ridiculous. Unbelievable. That, that shit caused so much animosity and stress, un, un, unnecessarily too. But AKO was it was Army Knowledge Online. It was like a centralized database for all of your records, everything you could come down on orders. You could find all your shit there. But the problem was, in the Army's infinite wisdom, the user interface was like operating a Russian tank and like reading the instructions and you're like, what the fuck am I doing? And you know, a lot of people in the army, myself included, we're not the brightest bulbs in the barn. You know, we're just not. So when you're trying to tell me, it's like, you got to do this, this, and this, you got to input this information. It's like going to get your leave paper stein at the S shop. And they give you the fucking runaround. It's like, you know what? I'm just not going on leave. Yeah. yeah. Fuck it. I don't feel like dealing. I can't with it. do so it. 
Oh my gosh. That's what the AKO was like. But I was on AKO in Afghanistan. Uh, we were in between patrols. I remember sitting in the FWR. That was like a little, like we were in sandbag huts. Like we, we were in a fishbowl, like in the middle of Afghanistan, literally mountains all around us. Taliban would come in and snipe all the RPGs, all that shit. And I'd seen something that said, you can volunteer for drill duty. I was like, huh, that sounds like fun. I'm going to go do that because, you know, it sucks right now, but I could see myself doing some drill time in the future. Well, sure as shit, like maybe a year later after I got back, um, I came down on drill orders. So I kind of volunteered and I kind of got selected. So I don't know if like the army kind of like looked at that and like, nah, he's in Afghanistan, forget about it. And then later I came down on orders, but. I came down in orders and, you know, they, they say that they pick the drill sergeant corps comes from the top 10% of the army. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that or not. I, and I'm here to tell you that's a fucking lie. <laughs> that's a fucking lie. <laughs> I served with some of the biggest piece of shit drill sergeants. Oh my God. And that's, that's a sad thing about it, dude. Like you're, you're just, there's nothing you can do. Like just like with any job anywhere. Um, you are not going to be with the best of the best. You're not going to be with the cream of the crop. You're going to be with a lot of people that had nothing going on in their life. They were economically very poorly off. And then some are just like fucking convicts, like that should be convicts. So, and, and then you do have some good people. It's, it's a melting pot of insanity. So, but yeah, I came down in order to do that. So I got selected and you want to talk about being crushed. I was still in the 101st and we were going back. We were going back to the same, roughly same AO that we were in, in Afghanistan in 2010 to 11. And to put that in perspective, we replaced 4th ID, who would replace the 173rd. So remember, you, I know you know yeah. about like Keating, yeah. Wanat, all those places yeah. where all the Medal of Honors come from. Yeah. So we were about two years after uh, Restrepo had actually okay. been uh, actually okay. happened. So literally, 4th <laughs> ID commanders on the ground are saying, if you're wanting some introspect of what you're about to face, go watch Restrepo. It was like, because that's our AO. So I watched Restrepo. And, and Chris, I'm not even lying, bro. Like that night, I laid... I sat on my floor and I started crying because I was scared. Like I was scared because it was just like, it was like, because I realized that this was nothing like Iraq. Like I'd done three years in Iraq and some of the worst fighting out there from Fallujah and Al-Najaf. And you look at Afghanistan and I wasn't scared for myself. I was scared that it was like, in my mind, I'm like, Burke, you better get your shit together yeah. because you're about to take men over there into this. And this is a hellhole. This is, there is no rules of engagement hardly at all. This is this is the wild fucking West, like nothing. And I want to say 98% of the NCOs and officers and NCOs especially in our company had never been to Afghanistan. We knew nothing about Afghanistan. Yeah. Wow. So if you go back and watch Restrepo, watch it in the mindset of you're about to go there. Brace yourself. And it's scary. It's scary in the sense of like, if you make the wrong call, you're going to get men killed. And so you better e know your shit. E7 at this time? Were you an E7? I was an E6. You're, an e well, you're, you're, you're still a squad leader. I mean, still, you're, yeah. still, you're still the main main yeah. guy on, on the line, mm -hmm. man. You're still a squad yeah. leader. That, yeah, that's, You're making the calls. For those that don't watch Restrepo, and, or, 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 there was a book written about it first, though, before. I, was it called Restrepo? I, I can't remember. Um, I don't know. Uh, it was Sebastian Younger. He's done like Restrepo, Korngal. There's been a lot of documentaries. There was Taking Fire. I was actually in that one. I never saw royalties from that motherfucker. When I, was about to stop. <laughs> I was like, did you not see my like five second cameo? It's like, I'm here. <laughs> I, that was like the wrong way to really phrase that because now people are going to think I'm gay, but whatever. It's 2021. That was sort of at the beginning of the show. Have you already I like vagina. Up? I just want it clear. I like vagina. Chris, call me after this. <laughs> Bro. Uh, but yeah, that's that's back like when Restrepo first came out and all that stuff. And then America really started understanding and seeing what the war in Afghanistan was actually about. Because I think honestly, the only real news they got from that previous to Restrepo and all that 
was Pat Tillman. Um, yeah. People, the only reason they knew about Pat Tillman is how he got killed and where he got killed. Nobody really gave a shit about Afghanistan. It was all Iraq. Everything was Fallujah. When Phantom Fury kicked off and the Marines got hammered out there, God bless them. Like we pulled out of uh, Fallujah and they came in to replace oh, us. That was an operation. Yeah. yeah, I remember. They, I remember. they came in. Like we, we provided the outer cordon. We were taking some sporadic firefights. And then when they pushed in, like we were on the way out because we kept pushing. That's back when it was like, go, go, go. And dude, we were, we were listening to the radios. It was like, dude, they're getting fucked up. They're getting fucked up bad. And it was, they lost a lot of good men. And uh, that had happened. So outside of that, nobody really knew about Afghanistan. It was all Iraq focused. So when they came to us and they said, hey, your unit's been slotted to go to Afghanistan. Here's your intelligence. Go watch your strepo because that's exactly where you're going to. Um, bro, it was the biggest eye opener I'd ever had. So it was like, okay. In my mind, I was like, okay, we're going to sit down. The first thing we're going to do, and I'm pretty sure you'll agree with this, Chris. I actually had a, uh, I forget, I think it was a colonel came and spoke to us, our, our company. And he was one of the first commanders of Rangers in Korea, in the Korean War. Wow. Forget his name. But he's, he told, and I don't remember a lot of things people tell me because honestly, I don't fucking care. And then secondly, it's because I have a shit memory. Uh, but I never forgot what this guy said because I honestly think it saved my life and the lives of my men. But he said, to be an effective infantryman, he said, there's three fundamental pillars that you have to really focus on. The first one is physical fitness. Yeah. It's like, if you are not fit, you can't operate on the battlefield and you have no business wearing that uniform. Second thing is weapon tactics, or I'm sorry, weapon familiarization. You've got to know your weapons. You've got to know your tools of the trade. You have to know every single thing about it. What's that range of that 240? Not the maximum range book bullshit. And I love that he said this. He said, not the book shit. He's like, you need to be behind that pig and seeing what it can do. And you need to push its limits. You need to test everything. Every tool in your arsenal, like the carpenter, the electrician, the welder, you've got your role, you've got your role of tools, and you better know what each one does and what the purpose it is, like a 203 for covering dead space, all that stuff. And the third thing he said was infantry tactics. He's like, you need to know how to do your job. It's not enough just to be physically fit, know how to shoot, but if you do not know how to effectively employ your soldiers, you shouldn't be there. So when he briefed me that, like um, it was very awkward because I had the biggest erection possible because like i fucking love this guy he's like 60 or 70 years old Dude, I what it was it's like i was all this guy into hell in gasoline soaked underwear rather that was made the lineage at the ranger battalion so awesome was those guys yeah it was like because yeah. oh, we were always and I it think wasn't I, just y'all though like that shit trickled down throughout the entire army oh, bro. Like, oh the story's like Oh. It's unbelievable. And, and, and we're all, I remember myself just always, am I living up to that? That's the standard that you got to live up to the, the hunter killer teams, the Korean yeah. Rangers, the, the V yep. that it's like, are we ever going to live Charlie up to that Rangers. The Char oh my that's, how, that's how I first found out about the Rangers it was Charlie Ranger, that book. And it was such a good book. It was awesome. Like, yeah. You want to talk about it, taking a kid from hometown USA and throwing them in the, in the thickest shit and getting that bumblebee tab oh and then going God. over there. A lot of people don't like the kill ratio from Rangers to NVA was like 50 to one. Yeah. Like yeah. one Ranger was responsible normally for 50 NVA deaths, which was it, just fucking insane. So we were like, we lost the Vietnam War. It's like, because our hands were tied, you cut the Rangers loose, you cut those dudes loose and they come back with freaking yeah. head on a stick. Like I'm telling you, they would, they would have just wrecked shop. If you look at the cash T stat, all the, the tactics they were using, guys had balls the size of bowling balls, I know. man. So I, when people yeah. in my generation complain about shit, it's like, I'm not saying that we don't have legitimate complaints. When you look back at like the fucking tunnel rats, or you look back in trench <laughs> warfare, World War One, World War Two. <laughs> those dudes not only fought for freedom in America, much less the world, but they fought to progress your rights in the military. Yeah. And it was insane to see that this gentleman comes here and takes time out of his day to brief us on this. And the other thing I never forgot 
and I've said this to a lot of the guys I've worked with, is that you will actually learn more from a piece of shit leader than you will from a good leader. Because the piece of shit leader, you can identify what he's doing wrong because you know. And then you just be the opposite, which is going to make you usually a better leader. But I had this first sergeant, William Stanton, and I never forget. He was our captain Sobel of Easy Company. He was our piece of shit leader that was always perked out of his fucking head. Like this guy, and this is another thing that I'm going to talk about. The people are very, he was black and he was protected. He was protected. The sergeant major, battalion sergeant major was black. They were black masons together. He was untouchable. And the reason I say that is because this guy had so many fucking infractions and he never got touched and he never got relieved. Never. Like he, like he, he pulled up to the company AO one time and said, you know what looked good on my car? A white boy. I'm just like, okay. But this is back when nobody really gave a fuck about yeah, shit yeah, like that. It's yeah. Like, yeah, fuck him. He's a black racist, whatever. You know, and everybody told jokes like that, but nobody took it seriously. But this piece of shit, dude, this piece of shit was in that briefing with me. And I, I want to talk about, like, I was a staff sergeant and this dude was a first sergeant. And I put it this way. He had a reputation around just our brigade of being the biggest piece of shit first sergeant. And it didn't match because our company was the best fucking company. We had the highest PT scores. We had the best rifle quals. Every competition we did, we fucking crushed at the time. Like we were a mini Ranger regiment. The average PT score was a 275. I was knocking out like a 350 or a 320. 320. We were just crushing it. Yeah, that's awesome. And we had the shitbag leader. It didn't make sense. Like normally companies like that have solid leaders. He was the opposite. So we're sitting there in this briefing and this Korean War veteran officer that's that's taking time to to instill and impart on us his his uh lessons learned in combat that i'm sitting there with like a book it's like okay this is legit stuff like this is he's not feeding us bullshit i like that and my first sergeant's in the front row falling asleep and so the guy literally stops the briefing and said excuse me first sergeant you might want to you might want to listen to this and the first sergeant (laughs) then wakes up says i don't have to i'm a first sergeant bro Wow. I looked at my platoon sergeant. He looks at me and we're just like, if this dude gets fragged overseas, we wouldn't feel anything. Like to this day, if this guy hadn't made it back, I wouldn't give it a fuck. I well, still wouldn't give a fuck. He's a and, piece of shit. And, and, and that's, that's, the, that's what I tell people the difference is, hey, what is the difference between the, the smaller units or a ranger unit and, and the bigger divisions, a regiment or a division, a ranger and hunter first ranger? Dude, imagine uh, if your platoon sergeant no, it, it would, said it, that. It what do you never, think your command would do to dude, that? He, he's would gone. crucify him. He's yeah, gone. gone. He's, he's like, dude, I mean, well, it, would yeah. be, it would be our command. Even our captain would get up. Even to the first sergeant, yeah. we didn't say, hey, first sergeant, drag that motherfucker first, out and beat oh my the fuck kid, out of Oh, dude, you, you, we, we had tremendous, that, and that was the, that's the difference, the biggest difference, aside from just the smaller units, but the leadership, we, we do, I, I, and I, I, I have to say, I said, got 82nd, I feel sorry for you guys at times because we do get the leaders. We do get the cream, the, and, and that, that's the hugest difference is, no, first, the first sergeant is the one at a Ranger Regiment that that's really who everybody looks up to. We got our officers. But that yeah. first sergeant has been there from private. How it should be and, too. Yeah, and bust his He's way got the experience. There. He's got the know-how. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And we hadn't. I. I. I can't believe a first sergeant. I would never imagine that. We had. The I didn't best think I felt. And this dude was tabbed. He'd actually oh. spent time in regiment. Oh. So it's just like, like there's tab wearers and tab bearers. So, tab bearers. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And then seeing people like that, and then having worked with a few pieces of shit like that, that even wore long tabs. You've got your good and you've got your bad, as is such with life. So you can have this expectation of if I go into this specialized small unit or whatever, you're still going to deal with your assholes. Like, don't get it in your head that you're going into, like, this is the land overflowing with milk and honey and amazing leadership. No, you got your shit bags in there. You have every, everywhere, everywhere, yeah. everywhere. When, that, yeah, when, that's, that's, when you got up, up to Afghanistan, you, you shot up there and you spent, what, 12 months? And that was another thing. Your rotations, 101st's rotations were were. 
and, or, or conventional rotations are long. They are. It, I mean, it changed because originally um, Bush had told us during the invasion, they said um, forces that have uh, gone over there to uh, engage in combat are not going to stay as occupational forces because, you know, they've gone through war. I would not ask that of our troopers because of America. <laughs> well, by the way, I'm fucking lying. <laughs> You're staying over there, bitches. So I did, bro, I'm sure I know you probably heard these horror stories. I, we did our 12 months. No, I, Originally, I, we were supposed to do, we were, we we're going to do six. And um, first cavalry division relieved us. Uh, we were at Assassin's Gate in the green zone. We'd occupied Baghdad, set up all that shit, and uh, we got yeah. stationed in Baghdad. And first cavalry division came to relieve us. And we packed up. We were, I got home and by home to Germany and I got my leave. We had to reprocess through Germany, got to go on leave back home to the States to go visit my family. And then General Abrams at the time yeah. comes on television. And all I'm seeing is casualty reports of uh, First Cavalry Division because that's back when IEDs really yep. first started hitting the scene. They weren't big in the invasion. Um, and it, it's funny because in a sense, it was really not funny, but it's interesting to watch that how the enemy tactics evolved with our armament, our changes, our changes to technology. It's a chess game. Everything we would do, they would counter. What they'd counter, we'd counter. And General Abrams comes on the television. He's just like, yeah, First Armored Division has been recalled back to Iraq. I'm like, wait, what? So my mom told me, she's like, you're in First Armored Division. I was like, yeah. So I look, I'm like, and I'm reading it. I'm listening to what he's saying. I was like, what the fuck? So I call my squad leader. He's like, you're going to finish your leave. We're going back. And I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. And he wasn't. So we went back to Germany. I at least got one week of leave. I didn't get my full leave, but I think I got like one week of leave. I had wow. to cut it short, fly back to Germany. And then we repacked fucking everything in a matter of like a week. Like imagine an entire unit yeah, of, that's of men and women packing up the Bradleys, everything. Uh, and that's Back stressful. That is oh. so stressful. That makes that makes the trips even worse because now you're sh- – and, and everybody's Imagine stressing. Real, and, like, oh, yeah. gosh. Dang Putting it. Bradleys on trains, yeah. getting your bags repacked, inspected, unit layouts, everything, oh. the whole shebang. So no shit. We go back and we spend another three months. Um, and that's when I got my first taste of the Sunni Triangle, which was Mamadia, Yusufia, and I think Al-Turak, uh, back when, before that thing really started kicking off. That's where like – Every hot spot in the fucking Middle East, I got into. And I didn't want to be. I was just like, you know, I hope we don't go there. Like, Guess what? You're going. It's like, fuck. <laughs> so it was just one of those things. Because like, after my first deployment, it's like, I got my fill of fighting. I was good. You know, I did what I wanted to go do. I'd be the first kid on my block with a confirmed kill. Yeah, and you do all that, that full metal jacket bullshit. And oh my God, if I ever hear anyone say, like, he's got that thousand yards, I'm going to smack the shit out of him. It's like, no, <laughs> ours was five and 25 yards. Yeah, There's for yeah. fucking IED. There was a thousand yards. Right, it was yeah. five and 25. So. <laughs> And I remember, I know you went through this, like when you went into, yeah. when you went back into theater, you had to go through briefings and shit like this. Like, all right, this is the enemy's tactics. This is what they're doing now. I shit you not. I think it was on my second or third tour where it was my third. It was going to Afghanistan and we're flying into Bath, uh, Bagram airfield and we're doing the briefings. And I always love when I'm, God bless Pogues. They have their position. I'm not knocking Pogues. We're all cogs in this machine that makes a, the whole machine wearing Pogue is personnel other than grunt. They're, they're stereotyped as fat, lazy, out of shape, non-combatant, but they still serve their purpose between cooks and all this other stuff. And when I was younger, it's like, fuck a Pope. But now it's like, no, you need those guys. You need them. Really no, those are most important. Love them to death. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, they're there. But that back in that time, it was like, fuck being a Pope. You know, it's, it's self-pride. You, like, you're an infantryman. You're a killer. All this other stuff, whatever. Um, I killed some MREs, tell you that. <laughs> but we got back into theater, and I go to this briefing. We're all at this briefing. Like, 
I want to say 60% of my kids brand new, never, never deployed. You're bringing a bunch of fucking green ass cherries over there. And you're like, fuck, this is going to be interesting. Cause you don't know how they're going to do under fire. But, uh, we're sitting in this briefing and these people, these pogues are briefing us on like how to spot an IED. I'm like, what are you, you fucking kidding me? It's like, this is what you look for on the side of the road. You look for the trash. I'm like, it's like an after. Have you not seen the Baghdad? Like, there's trash fucking everywhere. Like, are you serious? Like, they sit, and it's like to check a box to say that yeah. they've received said briefing. They know what to look for when it comes to IEDs. Like, you mean the ones that are remote control detonated now? They literally plaster to look like freaking curbs. Like, there was no way. No, I remember that. I remember that. Were they, yeah, they, yeah. That, that was the. I, I remember getting that briefing. Come on. Yeah. All right, they're they're looking like curbs. We're like, what the hell? They're, they're, the curbs are now IEDs. Oh, okay. This isn't brilliant this tactics, is, man. Brilliant yeah, fucking tactics. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. a hand to stay Iraq. Yeah, yeah. Like they they fuck they fucked us up with that shit, and it was just like. It's smart thinking. It's very smart thinking. Well, like you I, play to your strengths. I, I and I, I've said that on the show a million times. Like uh, terrorists, you can get, say they're dumb, this and that. They're oh, smart. God, no, they're they're oh, smart, yeah, and they know how they utilize what oh, they have dude. at their disposal, yes. and they maximize it. And and they're the best at unconventional warfare. We need to learn from them a lot. Yes. And, we and, turned into the freaking revolutionary British army. That's yeah. who we are. We're the road to redcoats standing out in the field. It's like, oh, I say, oh, yeah, boom. It's like, oh, shocking. Anyway, hold, my, hold the line. It's just like, and, you know, now we've turned into the fucking British redcoats in a sense of we just stand there and take it. It's like, it's like being back in my gay porn career. It's like, you're just going to take it. It's like, well, fuck. But yeah, we got the briefing. They're like, oh, and by the way, IEDs can look like this, this, and this. And, you know, they make, they paint it to make it look like this. And this is how you spot one. And, and I remember asking, I was like, have you ever been forward to the FUBs? Like, no. I was like, okay, that makes sense. It's like, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. So we got briefed on that. But that's when IEDs were really, really becoming prevalent. And 1st Cavalry Division got lit up bad. Like, they were taking, like, dude, the company that replaced us, their commander Nexo got killed in the first week. It was bad. So we got recalled. We went to the Sunni Triangle. We did our time there. And that was just a whole different shit show. Um, I remember being in Baghdad, dude. We do 24 to 48 hour operations of knock and clears. And that's back when we weren't knocking in a sense. It was a hard call out or whatever you want to call it. We, we would just kick down doors and go in there. And whatever happened, happened. And um, it, it was just very interesting to see that. And then I got back from that. I got, um, I actually got out of the Army. I did a year as a civilian again because I was like, you know what? I'm done. They, they offered me like my E5. I was like, no. I was like, I'm, I'm done. I, I met someone, uh, my first ex-wife, which, you know, I think to be an actual certified veteran, you have to have at least two, two. one article yeah. 15, two ex-wives yeah. and bad credit. Yeah. So cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. But my credit's amazing now. <laughs> For any car companies that might listen to this, if I'm coming in to buy something, my credit is above 800. I'm good to go. Uh, but no, that, that's what it turned into. And so... um yeah, I, I got to 1st Cavalry Division and they stuck me with the 504th Military Intelligence Battalion. I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing here? I'm supposed to be in the cab. Yeah. And I'm kind of <laughs> glad I didn't go to the cab because it's like massive indoctrination. Like, you ain't cab, you ain't shit, which translate into, if you ain't cab, you must be straight. So <laughs> it was just the biggest shit stuff. So I got attached as a, a PSD attachment, a personal security yeah, attachment yeah, yeah. for a, yeah. a tactical human team. And these basically, these these young kids, and they were fucking kids, man. They were fresh out of Wachuca. They spoke the language. They were military intelligence. There were things that I couldn't have access to because I didn't have the security clearance, but I'd take a peek and it's like, this is really what I don't have access to. It's like, you make it sound like this is like some James Bond Q shit. And it's like, this is the dumbest shit ever, but whatever. Okay, cool. Got your thing. So I'd actually gotten my clearance later on in theater or whatever. I got access to all this stuff, but I actually got to see their process of running sources and things such as that. I was like, and they made it sound like it was the biggest thing, like since sliced bread. I'm just like, we did this already in my first tour. Like we were already running sources. Like we didn't need you to do it. We just did it. 
and like, well, you weren't doing it. It was like, well, you didn't do it properly. It's like, <laughs> no, we did. We got intelligence. We hit targets on it. Like, you weren't military intelligence. Mm. So it was just kind of like, okay. So it, it was it was a rough tour. Wasn't very violent. It was just very stupid because I had to deal with a lot of bullshit from just military intelligence again, which is a fucking oxymoron. That's like when Reagan said, most scariest thing you can hear is I'm from the government and I'm here to help. It's saying that I'm from military intelligence and I know what I'm talking about. It's like, no, the fuck you don't. It, like, it, no, the fuck you don't. It's, uh, but God we, bless them, they tried. We, we had a joke, this, and it's not my joke. Actually, uh, I can't remember. One of the GRS guys had a joke. We were working with the agency and they were doing the intelligence. We had our joke that their plan was to always give more plan. Plan being money. That's what it says. So what's our plan? Is it we're going to go give more plan to get our intelligence? Yeah, we're going to go. Get, they did not run us. It was just, hey, what else can we give them? And then we give it to, and I remember I'd ask, and I asked the intel. Yeah, I, I asked I asked one of the case officers. I said, he's just taking the money, giving you information. How do we know he's not getting going to the Iranians now and getting information for them and getting money? And I never could get a straight answer. I, I, we got, there were because so many guys. they knew guys, what they were doing. They yeah. knew what they were doing. Here's a Band-Aid to plug the hole. I was like, what if the Band-Aid doesn't work? Well, here's another Band-Aid. There's another Band-Aid to plug the hole. And from the, from the, the outside, that's, this is the middle, yeah. Yeah, from the outside, that's an interesting thing, man, because people always talk about like the bloated military budget. And then yet at the same time, you always hear about guys not being able to afford, uh, you know, wrapped Humvees and things like that. When the budget usually I know from this perspectives of guys like you goes towards a lot of bullshit, you know, and, and a lot of times goes towards uh, honestly, bombs we're never going to use and things like that, because I mean, we're never going to use all these nuclear weapons. The earth would be destroyed. Yet we don't have like wrapped Humvees for guys. It it's yeah. very confusing to think like the way that this well, money is spent. And if if you've listened to John and, and you myself to what what we're saying, what he said, and what I've said in some of the past stuff as well, is that it's just it's all politically run. It's the money. Where where yeah. is it better going to influence yeah. politics? Not what can help the guys. You know, I remember getting the, I remember getting the Iraq and not having an armored vehicle, so I took off my body armor and threw it outside the window. I mean, that was, that was back in OIF one. Yeah, yeah, it was. We didn't even have plates in our body. We were, we were rocking Vietnam level bodies. That's right. But <clears throat> on trade I remember that trade on the weapons. trek in. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Keep going. On the trek, yeah, you're 100% right. On the trek in from crossing the berm from Kuwait into Iraq, when Bush said go, we were actually attached to 3rd ID. We were one company out of the 1st Armored Division that crossed over to 3rd ID because we had 10T crews, which is like professional or the top tier certification for Bradley gunnery. So we were mechanized. And 3rd ID said we need two Bradley companies to come with us. Being we were the top in our battalion, much less brigade, they picked us. So we got attached to third ID. Wow. We got we deployed with them. And then first armor came like three months later. Our company got reattached back to first armor. So that's why we did 17 months total. So wow. essentially we were like the redheaded stepchild of OF one. Yeah. Nobody gave a fuck about us. It's just like you already done 12 months. Well, tough. You're doing well, more. Stay, stay more. Why, why go home? Yeah, you're, you're, you're already here. I mean, there's no reason yeah, for you to might get as well. Here. Might as well buy some fucking real estate. Let's just live here. Let's let's just do it. I'll run my own fucking sources. Oh my it's Lord. crazy. But yeah, you're, you're 100% right, dude. When you have so much money, and it's it's definitely a reflection of today's government as well, um, especially during the COVID pandemic, when you have so much money that is shotgun blasted at a problem, it's not going to fix the problem. It's not going to plug the leaks that need to get plugged. There has to be direct supervision and has to be at the lowest possible level that these decisions are made. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's just not the way it goes. So, <clears throat> and that's why I have a big issue with the military because a lot of, I want to say my entire fucking career, that's how it was. It's top big wig commanders that don't know what the fuck's going on on the ground, living in their fob miles away from the front line. Uh, making these calls that have no idea what the hell they're talking about. And meanwhile, ground troopers, like even the most, like the most cherry private can be there. It's like, Hey, sergeant, like, I I'm not sure this doesn't make sense. Why is the ROE like this? 
And it's just like because that's what the big wigs want. Because that's, that's what because that's what it says. That's, it, yeah, exactly. Well, you that's the what per- we've always knew. <laughs> done it. It's like well, that just makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> let's just keep just fucking keep doing, doing that. It. Absolutely. Well, you you know your story about your first sergeant sitting there getting good information, getting great, not good, great information, but him say really basically saying, well, I'm the first sergeant, so I'm not going to be in the mix anyway. So I don't need to know. I don't really need to know what's going on. He thought he was such a badass because, and you'll appreciate this, Chris, he had a mustard stamp from OAF one where he jumped with Vicenza. And it was like, yeah, I remember uh, that. I was in buy-up when they came down. Yeah. Like, you guys did not land under fire. Was- so I don't even know why you have that fucking mustard. And it was all like high echelon dudes. It was like officers. I heard and that. It was the only time I'd ever seen a company commander serve as an RTO to a battalion commander just to get the fucking mustard. I stamp. heard it. Like, you guys are some bads chasing hey, motherfuckers. Hey, hey, guys. So if anyone doesn't know out there, mustard stamp is what it's a combat jump. So if you ever see Airborne Wings, it has a little star. It's a little yellow star called a mustard stamp and that was a one set yeah i, I heard about the 173rd they did a yep. it, it was really just basically a hollywood jump the, the airfield exactly. was already secured was it hunter yep. first that had secured the airfield or was it an id company i think it was third id i think third, third I, ID. had secured the we airfield pulled up yeah. after the fact and it was just like what the fuck are you guys doing here it's just like <laughs> we're jumping into security like third id is like uh oh, we're, we're already here guys hey yeah <laughs> It was a, you're right. It was a Hollywood jump, but this is why this guy had a chip on his shoulder because he rocked those wings like crazy. And those that had actually been on the ground, what had happened, were just like, yeah, that's bullshit. Like, you, yeah, I was there for that. I so remember. he thought he was a hard ass for that. And he was like one of the very few people in our battalion, much less division, that had a mustard stamp. And he thought he was just hot shit from that. It's like, yeah, bro, you're just a piece of shit. Uh, but unfortunately, well, I, I appreciate you clarifying it, Chris, because I, yeah, I, I wouldn't have I was known like, what mustard. that meant. So since I, you know, I, I have the background. I, I, the I last mustard stamp that had been earned, I don't think was, I think the jumping Mustangs in Vietnam were the last unit to actually having jumped. Or no, 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 I stand corrected. There was one other jump, and I think Iraq or Afghanistan, that was an actual combat jump. Really? And they were just, I, I could be wrong on that. But either way, you know, when people say mustard stamp, you compare it back to like the World War II D-Day invasion jump. Yeah. Yeah. That's like you're jumping under fire and your chances are your plane's going to get hit and you're going down or you're getting hit midair while on your descent. So it's not something that's taken lightly. It's a very serious – it's like a Purple Heart. I'm sure you know what a Purple Heart is. It's the equivalent – I shouldn't say – I'm sorry, not the equivalent. It's taken – it's honored in that capacity like you did some hard shit that you're respected for. But this guy flouted it and so – we were, we were at the top of the food chain when it came to PT. This guy would literally come out of his office before PT eating fried chicken and wiping the grease on his PT shirt. And we're just kind of like, okay, like way to, way to set the standard there, badass. Yeah. It, it was crazy, bro. It was just I, crazy. I, of course, he'd pencil whip all his PT tests. And, but anyway, yeah, that was that was a big learning point in my life that you're going, you're going to have to get comfortable dealing with assholes that are going to make your life 10 times harder because it's, it's always going to be that way unless you actually open up your own business and if i got an asshole that works for me i just shit can his ass like i got no time to get that, the fuck out of here and that's that's where we need to get, i know because we're, we're running yeah, short on time that's what we need to get we'll into yeah i i i'm thinking the same thing as you chris because I, I i could tell there's a lot more to get into there <laughs> but yeah i i definitely would like to transition into how you're doing you know how do you, you got want, into bro, what I'm you're judging. doing now Transition away, man. Whatever you want to do with your body, your choice. Don't give a fuck. I just don't want to pay for it. Oh, oh um, no, if, if if you okay, I'm getting I'm getting myself back together. All right, hold on. <laughs> How did um, I transition? Yeah, it wasn't easy, man. I'm still going through the transition. Well, well, I can't I can't sit here and say that. I, when people reference me in that aspect, or they ask me that question, it's like, look, uh, we we are different. Um, Chris knows this. When you have a social media following, everything is magnified that you do. 
And I try which, to be transparent. Which, I mean, people might be wondering, though, it's not like you leave the military and you get a social media following. You, you no, obviously that's what had I'm the, that's yeah, what I'm saying. Like, there was probably the cognizant much. choice of, hey, I want to transition to doing something that I could market on social media. Exactly. So when people try and reference me, it's like, how did you adjust? Uh, a lot of my negativity and anger comes from my phone. Uh, a lot of just, you know, when you're exposed to high levels of weaponized stupidity, weapons grade stupidity, uh, it, it's going to make your transition even harder, let go of the anger. Cause I was kind of like the archetype bro vet of doing the car rants. Like I was one of the first ones to launch. I re- I, yeah, kinda, never, yeah. Yeah, yeah. People came in and they started taking my shit. But then after a while I started looking at myself and, you know, I look back at those videos now and it's like, I, I can't say that I regret them because they got me to where I'm at now. But I look back and I cringe. It's like, oh man, it's like you were such an idiot. Like you, sh- you should have known better than to say some of those things because your your opinions are so warped, in a sense of like constitution or politics or culture. But you know, we evolve and we grow. So my transition was done in the spotlight of social media. So everything that I went through, people knew about, and then also social media contributed to that uh, a lot. To where um, like Chris was actually one of the first people. I didn't know who Chris was. I didn't know what Bugazi was. I was in my own world. But I remember when I got out and I had that following, I was one of the famous veteran influencers or whatever. And Chris's name was thrown around left and right. Like, it's like, oh, like I remember this one dude. Everybody called him Preacher. No idea who these guys are. And to give you some context, anytime you go to a new unit, the first people that normally approach you to be your friends are usually shitbags because they want to pull you in to be a shitbag. Um, when I first got out, I started getting invited to go speak at these veteran events and a lot of ship bags came and approached me, but I didn't know they were ship bags, but Chris's name got brought up by one of these guys. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go talk to Pirano, Tano Pirano, Tano Pirano, this, Chris, that, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, he's like, you guys worship this motherfucker. And so <laughs> I found out who Chris was and I was like, oh, okay, it's badass. It's awesome. But they, they, they like revered this guy. They revered Chris. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure Chris would have walked up and unzipped. They would have been on their knees going to town on that Ranger deck. They would have loved it. And I'm sitting here and I'm just kind of like, okay. And people put you in this box or on this pedestal. It's like, you do realize that I'm, I only have a presence because I, I fat shamed people. And then I, I spoke my political <laughs> that, opinions and that's, that's the reason why that, yeah, I, it was, that, well, I, the remember I remember that. I remember that. That's where, yeah. And then it was a fat shame video and that, it wasn't even a fat shame video, but. It got me on television. It got me some appearances. It got me a, a TV series and shit like that. And that's what created the platform that I had. So all the spotlight is on me. So anything that I fail at, anything that I do wrong, people are going to know. Yeah. And it makes it 10 times more difficult versus like you don't have anybody watching you. If you make a fuck up, nobody gives a shit about you. But in my own defense, I've created a lot of haters that don't like me because of my political outspokenness and my fitness outspokenness. They don't like my viewpoints because a lot of them are like the reflections of my drill sergeant time where it's like, look, if you're a fat fuck, you can fix yourself, but fix yourself. Don't sit there and give me fucking excuses why you're fat when in nine times out of 10 or probably eight times out of 10, it's your own goddamn fault. Now, there are disorders and I get that. I understand that. But people not, you know, they overwhelmingly try and deflect to some. A single digit percentile. Just, just not taking responsibility. Why they're lazy. Yeah. So yeah, that's always. I, I feel like with social media, that's always how it goes. Though, what about yes. this crazy? Yeah, yeah. What about instance? the single marginalized one percentile? <laughs> it's like, yeah, type one diabetes. Do you know that's like four percent of America? And if that's your excuse for being fat, that you don't even have, like, shut the fuck up. Like, I was fat and I lost it. But anyway, that's what got me big. That's what got me the social media presence, and that's also what made it ten times more difficult to transition. So for me, it was a lot of the anger, like dealing with the anger, dealing with the understanding of what we were fighting for over there wasn't what I thought we were fighting for over there. And you you feel betrayed. You feel like I only did 13 years and I got out and I was just kind of like, was that a waste of time? Like, w- what did I do? Like, what did I do with my life? But, you know, 
I don't regret it because it taught me the lessons. It made me the man I am today. And I can't, I can never look back and regret anything. It happens for a reason. You know, God has, and I'm, I'm religious. I'm the worst example of a Christian, but I do believe in God. I do believe you're in Jesus. Sick, dude, I just don't... You are. You're, okay. I'm sick. I'm, you, you've passed me now. I'm, <laughs> I, I used to be. Now you are. So I'm right behind you though. But you, 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 I'm, I'm, yeah, it's just one of the, but that's another thing that I've learned. It's like when you, the things I've been through in the past have directly impacted my political perspective in the sense of I, I now stand way more for individual liberty. I am economically a conservative. I don't say I'm an isolationist, but I don't want to be the world police. And I'm culturally liberal, like in the sense of I don't the government shouldn't be in your bedroom. The government shouldn't dictate who you marry or who you can't marry. If you want to go out there and Chris, you want to chop your penis off and it, I've become Christina. I don't care. It's I don't care. Do what you want. That's freedom. We can't cherry pick what people yeah. should and shouldn't have access to. And with that, it's created a lot of, because I was a diehard Republican at first, and my following grew because of that. And then I started changing my political viewpoints to where it was more libertarian or more constitutionally based, because I, I kind of feel that's what we should be, because we fought for that very same document and what it represents. And so my my following went from diehard Republicans to where it's like, you're a fucking traitor to the GOP. It's like, yeah, probably, whatever. I don't care. I'm with yeah, that's, that's the interesting thing with social media is, yeah, I think people do become a slave to their following in that you're not allowed to evolve. This yep. is like the team that you chose. Yes. I mean, you're dead you're on, man. You're supposed to evolve. On. Thanks, man. I mean, you're supposed to evolve on issues all the yeah. time. Otherwise, yeah. you're not learning. Well, you, you know what's bro, an interesting 100%, question? 100%. I, I, I wanted to ask you because many veterans I talk yes, to they're you know, real. throughout they're the real. years uh, no, agree with your opinion, though, on the wars, including Chris. But I, I actually spoke about this either last episode or two episodes ago. There's other guys who have the same experience as you and for some reason are in a totally different camp. And the example I'll give is I remember when Jack Murphy and I, and I think you know Jack, right, um, the Army Ranger or Green Beret, but we interviewed um, French. Well, yeah, he does. But we so we interviewed Dan French. <laughs> <Look at that. laughs> we like we interviewed. Uh, Ranger's got a goddamn book these days, and I yeah. haven't read it. <laughs> but what, so we uh, don't, don't hate, dude. Don't. Chris hate. has we, got a fucking movie. I mean, come on, what am I doing don't, wrong? Don't hate. Don't. Hate. We uh. So <laughs> sorry, and sorry, and no, it's okay. Like the status quo, it's like Ranger Seal beard shaving product. You got to have your own clothing brand, oh, yeah. your own book, oh, your own. <laughs> three, but uh, I'm not knocking it. It makes perfect sense. It no, makes perfect sure. <laughs> but uh, makes perfect so sense. The, I did too. So, all right, getting back to my question. <laughs> Sorry about that. We, it's okay. I'm, we, I'm still coming down off my uh, workout, bro. We interviewed Dan Crenshaw, who obviously respectably served, you know, lost his eye in combat. And in the interview that we did, I mean, Dan Crenshaw seems pretty adamant on that. Yes, we should be the world police, we should have a presence in Iraq forever. And it's interesting to me that guys like both of you who have shared pretty similar experiences do not share we don't, that we don't idea that. in the least. We, we don't know that in a sense of shared experiences, because unless you're actually on the ground with said person, you don't know what they've been through. I'm not. I, I've talked. To well, we know they're a combat veteran. I can say. Yeah. Yeah. We it's just different. Yeah. yeah I mean, generally, you're right. But I've, I've been with some people that they they pass themselves off as being and I'm not talking about Dan. I'm talking about the general idea of. Assuming somebody's a combat veteran and therefore they've seen a lot of shit is inaccurate. You just don't know. There's a lot of people out there that, that serve in these theaters that never once squeeze the trigger. So you got to be careful with that because they'll fool you. They'll fool you and you won't know any better. Um, once you get to talking to them, you'll pick up on it. You'll pick up on that either either full of shit or they're legit, like they're the real deal. Crenshaw, I disagree with. Um, that was also part of my evolution. I, I continue to evolve, but I went after Crenshaw on social media. I think it was like a year or two ago. 
And he, he roasted me. He got me back. Like he debated me on a point. And he was actually right about it. And so he and I went back and forth. And then I had him on my Twitch channel to do an interview with him on. And I don't agree with Crenshaw on a lot of things. Crenshaw would be more so considered, I don't want to say a neocon, but almost. I was going to say neocon. Um, I mean, a I, neocon. I think anybody yeah. who has that idea of that we should be the world police is a neocon. Yeah, they 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 war hawks, whatever you want to call it. But I understand Crenshaw's position on that in a sense. If we look geopolitically from a military standpoint, by keeping forces in Iraq, we've got a serious foothold in the Middle East in regards to possible whatever we have going on with China, Russia. It's just like it's moving the troops forward to where we have easier ease of access to any potential enemies across the seas. But we also have that in Kuwait. We could easily have that in Israel. Uh, there's various different things. But with Crenshaw's beliefs, I don't agree with. I just don't. Now, I was... I will never, I, this is one thing I always did with Senator McCain. I don't like, or I didn't like Senator McCain. I didn't like his policies. I felt like this guy is a rhino, Republican in name only. This guy was like the biggest Democrat supporter. Um, but I will never trash his service because I wasn't there. I don't know because there was a lot of speculation about him being a, a, a songbird and all that shit. But the fact was this guy served. And I'll respect that. And I won't talk shit. Like when General Mattis came out against Trump, I lost all respect for him on some of the stupid shit he says, but I will never trash his service. I respect the man or a woman for doing that. Crenshaw, the thing that I saw with Crenshaw was people were trashing his service, even fellow conservatives. When Crenshaw came out and said what he did about red flags, um, I think <laughs> like Crenshaw was new to the social media realm. Like Social media has its own set of rules you got to play by. So and one of those things is when it comes to things like the Second Amendment, and even back in the day, I was supported a bump stock ban. I was like, yeah, fuck it. Do we really need bump stocks? And then I started to understand and learn. It's not about the bump stocks. Back, you give them an inch, they'll take they're a mile. Take more, yeah. Crenshaw went in there with the idea of he wanted just to have a conversation. It's like Crenshaw's like, you don't realize you can't do that. Yeah. Like you, you can't. Like the Second Amendment is the Second Amendment. There is no compromise. There is no conversation. I wish there could be, but on the realm of social media, there can't. So when Crenshaw tweeted out what he did, even I read it. It's like you're toast. Like you are toast, bro. Yeah. And the conservatives not only did they trash what he said. There were so many that trashed his service that made fun of his eye. And I'm just sitting there. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? I was like, yeah, I don't agree with him on the Second Amendment. But sitting there, it's like, yeah, fucking like Hassan Piker saying the shit that he did. Like, I don't agree with Hassan. If Hassan would have said that about Crenshaw in front of me, I would have cold cocked that motherfucker. Like, you know, some, some, I think he said something like some honorary Taliban soldier poked Crenshaw's eye. I was like, dude. I believe in freedom of speech, but that right there, you warrant to get in your fucking ass. Like, how fucking yeah. dare you? That's crossing the line. No, there's, so, there's, and there's a lot of that across the board. I mean, I know you've said before, you know, Chris, like your views with Tammy Duckworth, that, you know, you don't agree with her on a lot of things, but at the same time, respect her service. About, oh, and behind, actually, I, yeah, I mean, I and I just recently was listening, actually, it was on Joe Rogan, but, it, you know, they were talking about. Wow, why am I forgetting names here now? Um, the Hawaii uh, Hawaii uh, Congresswoman who's I can't remember. Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, Tulsi Gabbard. Um, you know the idea of Hillary Clinton calling her like a tr Russian traitor when yeah. it's like this yeah. woman served in the wars that you voted for, and yep. she's a traitor. She's she's God, working for Russia. I love you know Tulsi. just because she doesn't go with the Democrat Party yeah. line. Bingo. Yeah. See, I mean, I, you're gonna see, man. I'm calling it. You're gonna see. You're gonna see a shift. You're going to see a shift in the GOP and you're going to see a shift in the DNC. You're going to see a lot more independent critical thinkers come on the scene and they're going to pull away from the identity politics that is showcased on both sides. Yeah, when Turning Point first hit the scene, 
when Charlie Kirk and Candace Owens and all them latched on to Kanye West because we got ourselves a black celebrity. So fuck you, Democrats. Look what we got. We got one of yours. And when people start banging the drums on that, it's like it seems like you're kind of missing the overall point. This should not be about identity. It should be about freedom and individual liberty. And it's never been about that. So I never latched in with Turning Point. You know, Crenshaw took up with them. And, you know, the biggest time that I saw that I was going to never be with Turning Point is when Trump came out and talked about, and this is during the Crenshaw era of the, uh, the Red Flags, Trump coming. I watched the clip. He said, we're going to do uh, take the guns first and due process second. We're gonna, it's going to be so big, folks. So big. Trust me. I know. I know. Uh, I know guns. I know guns, folks. And I'm sitting there watching that. And I was like, that violates the very premise of the Second Amendment. And Turning Point and the rest of them said nothing. Not a fucking word. I was like, so well, when you work for you know, like a political action, Bingo. it's just it. all about this is our yep. guy. This is who we need to get elected. Who, who and we're going to ignore our principles. Yes. And that, that's why exactly. I will never I wouldn't. And I think Chris, at least at this point, is the same way. I would never feel comfortable working for any type of political action committee because I have my own principles and they don't fall in line with any party or it's just, well, that's, yeah. and we evolve and we evolve as yeah. we get older and, things, and that's just like you said. And that's what, you know, John, what he talked about at the beginning with his social media and how it can peg you into an area. That's why I, yeah. I, I nuked it. What was it? Three years ago. I nuked it all. It's like, it, this is toxic. Now I'm in and I, I'm not, I'm, I'm independent. I'm, I'm even registered that way. Yeah. I, I, I but now I'm independent. And then when I nuked it and then I started to not get into politics, I lost a, a lot of those, a lot of those hardcore conservatives were like, you motherfucking traitor, you son of a bitch. Yeah, yep. Like, and you see my posts now. I'm not, I'm not, this yep. is me. This is really me. Good which, for you. Where Good those for you. three years, but it was tough. I agree with you, bro. It's tough to stay in there. It's a toxic world and, and how you remain in it still but I, 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 I'll be, I'll that's be, why I, do CBD I can't now. do it. That's, oh, that's, <laughs> that's why I do CBD. I have a CBD <laughs> cup. Well, I, I know, I know. You're 100% right. They try and back you into a corner. And if you try and progress out of said corner to better yourself, open your mind. Like I will have, like I do a thing on, I actually have a show tonight. It's called Drunken Debates. I will bring on socialists, communists, transgenders, everybody. And we'll debate, but respectfully. Yeah. We keep it. And what, think of it like, the old school leather library with the leather chairs, leather books. It's proper. And I don't bring on people's like, look, you stupid fuck. It's like I brought on like there's one and she's I believe she's a socialist and she's a transgender. And I respect her pronouns because I respect her. But when you ask me about it, do I think that she's a man? Yes, I do. I was like, I think biologically you are a man. Science, you cannot deny this. But I, I respect the, the person one, yeah. enough to where it's like I'm not going to go out of my way to insult you. Yeah. Because if you're respecting me, I'll do the same for you. I think it's it's just much. But when you ask me like hardline facts, no, I won't support it. But I do support your right to do whatever the fuck you want to do. Supporting your right is not supporting the choices of utilizing said right. And a lot of people don't have that understanding. So I brought this one on, and this one uh, transgender woman, Empress, and she is probably one of the most intelligent people I have ever debated, and she knows her shit, and I love that. I love the fact. Because I just had this this whole issue like, bro, you want to talk about how, how detrimental and negative and toxic social media is? I disagree. Somebody wrote on uh, one of my Instagram Q&As that I do, said, what are your thoughts on Caitlyn Jenner running for governor in California? And I'd heard it somewhere that uh, she was a Republican. I'm like, I can I'm give you more on that. I, I got to pull something up for you. I'd be interested in hearing that because I don't know anything about him or her. 
What I do know, though, is that I saw one tweet from her when Joy Behar apparently misgendered her. And Caitlin comes back and tweets, like, we've got bigger issues to worry about than my pronouns in California. It's like, respect. I respect that. I like that. And so I was, so all I responded with was, I'm going to, I'm very interested to see what Caitlin has to say. And I think I had this feeling I'm going to be surprised by what she has to say. Just by that response. The audience alone, won't see this, but. There you go. That's there me go. with Caitlin Jenner. Nice. And I, I can go. give you the story behind that because it doesn't Let's talk look, politics. I, I want to get to it. Let me finish I, this because I, I will lose my train. Yeah, I do finish, yeah, yeah yes, yes. But I mean, but well, it doesn't I come up that, every day that I've met Caitlyn Jenner. So. That's still pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I always shake hands with Obama. I mean, like him or hate him or not, that's the freaking ex-president yeah. of the United States. Um, but with with what I said, then I got exposed heavily to the alt-right especially the theological ones, the uh, the theocrats, the ones that you want to utilize religion to pass legislation to enforce a religious doctrine on the people, which violates the very premise of the First Amendment. And I had it out with them. These people like labeled me and saying that John supports transgenderism. It's like, no, but I support your right to do it. And then John also supports childhood suicide in the transgender community. And then John also supports pedophilia because he said all three are tethered. It's like, that's actually not true. One's transgender, one's a pedophile. They're literally called different names for that very same reason. And so he said that, yeah, but, you know, there's been transgenders that have been likened to pedophiles. Like, so have straight people. So do we now demonize all straight people as pedophiles? That makes no fucking sense. That logic is completely flawed. So this group of people went after me and they literally created fake screenshots of conversations where they Photoshop where I said, I am in favor of underage children that are mentally capable to being able to have sex with over of age people. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Because apparently there's this, this thing in the libertarian party that they are so open to freedom of choice. That includes minors. That's not true at all. It's a rumor. So they went after me fucking hard, man. Like there were these other military meme accounts that were posting the screenshots, tagging me saying, Hey, John Burke, we don't know if this is real, but it doesn't make you look good. And I'm looking at this shit and you can clearly tell the, the wording on the supposed conversation is blurred. That's what screenshots that are Photoshopped in look like. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, guys, like even my own following, I'm like, when have I ever yeah. remotely said anything likened to the idea of an underage child being able to have sex with an adult? My God, I was married to a freaking cop that did this for, for years. And it's like, this is fucking ridiculous to me. But that is how toxic the social media realm is, that if you do not align with our viewpoints and you stand for your own beliefs, they will come after you and try and ruin your life your business, your relationships. It doesn't fucking matter. This dude even went after my kids. Like I've had troll accounts trying to say that like I'm a deadbeat dad. I don't pay child support. Like you don't ever fucking see your kids. Like my kids aren't even in this country. It's like, you don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. And that rumor gets started. And so John Burke gets painted as this guy all because John Burke said, these are my beliefs. This is what I see. This is how I see it as. It's like having a conversation, an adult conversation, and then the children show up and they start flinging shit at everybody and like flipping over tables if you don't agree with them. So I say all that to backtrack to this Twitch show that I do. We actually have adult conversations that we have engaging debate without the name calling. It's literally a great time that you're going to go there and you're going to be exposed to different perspectives, many of which you will not agree with. I had a debate with Vosh. He's a big dude on Twitch, and he is pro letting children have access to hormone blockers and undergo gender reassignment surgery. And rather than go out there and say, you fucking sick fuck, it was like, okay, explain to me why you feel the way you do and why you think the way you do. And here's the crazy part. That dude had an explanation that I didn't think he was going to have. I still don't agree with it. 
because I said, well, hormone blockers are not permanent. They can be reversed. It's like, I understand that. I was like, but still a child does not have a fully developed brain to sit there and allow a child to have access to something so detrimental is beyond just insanity to me. But I still respectfully had the debate. I still want that conversation to where we can come to the middle ground and actually have a discussion from any, anything. Like there is nothing off limits, nothing off limits. These conversations need to have need to happen. And that's what it's about. And that's where I've evolved in my way of political thinking and my way of thinking about business, life, love, relationships, everything. It's through exposing myself in areas and making myself uncomfortable by going into these areas and having these conversations. Because what it's first going to make you do is question why you believe what you believe and why do you believe what you believe. It's just one of those things that it's going to make you either question what you believe or, or double sol- down and look at the reason You're going to solidify. Yeah, you're going to question or solidify. Exactly. Anyway, back- and not many people are able to have just a you know respectful debate you like know, that with people they vehemently disagree with. But then, and I come back on and how with that is that I none of us with social media everybody can judge everybody. Oh yeah, that's this makes oh, yeah. it so easy. Yep. I, it's but it's so easy to say you know I I don't I, I don't may not agree with you but I don't need to judge you you're going to be judged you will be judged but it, it's not going to be by me so as long judges. it's it, just part of it man I and mean, that's part of you where could, you get where you get away it's it's you got you got to, I've gotten away from it. I I don't want to judge you I don't care yeah. uh, you know if my businesses didn't revolve primarily around social media I would be deleting it in a heartbeat bro I'd be right where you're at Chris I wouldn't give a fuck now. My backup account on Instagram got verified, which I find to be really ironic, but whatever. <laughs> so I, I built my backup account because I figured my main account would get banned. So I'm at like 200 something thousand on Instagram. And I went to apply for verification because I had so many people hitting me up about fake accounts that were getting created with my face yeah, and my name. And of course, you got all the, the demographic is either uh, middle-aged, overweight, white women that are very poor and poorly educated, or they're overseas oriental women. And they they fool them with my pictures because apparently I'm just so hot that I'm worldwide. And I didn't know <laughs> it. My inbox gets blown up from like foreigners trying to speak English. Like, I love you very much. You know, love me, call me, love you, lover. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then I've I gotten some channel. of those just because of Chris is following some. Yeah, right. It's true. It's <laughs> fucking true. And, you know, so I tried to get verification from my main account. And I just found out it was like a month ago that I, I found the way that you can see how many violations you have against your account. Because I post some things that apparently go against community guidelines. I like to call it common fucking sense, but they don't. So that's the Nazi uniform I'm doing a spoof about with those guys and those clowns. Like, you will not say this on the machine. You will not do this. But um, I had over, or I still have over 45 violations just this year. I'm really surprised my account hasn't been deleted. So my backup account has been growing. It's at like 70,000 now. I was like, you know what? For shits and giggles, I'm just going to apply for verification. Within two hours, it got fucking verified. And I've been trying to get verification on my main account for years now. So it finally got verified, which has helped me out a little bit to where now it's like, okay, this is the official account. This is my only, well, my only one of two accounts. And I'm still getting the messages from Isn't that the wor- being scammed. The, the weirdest thing, I, uh, my main account that I shit can that I don't remember mm-hmm. how many followers it had, could never get it verified. And then when I started my new one, I, my wife, she 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 does all that because I, I can't stand social media. Yeah. She really, and she comes, hey, guess what? We got you verified in two weeks. I'm like, what? you know, I had like 5,000 followers. I, I, so I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know how their standards are. The system is, I think it's if they can Google you and find out that you've done, you've had articles written about you or something like that, then they'll verify you. If you're like prominent enough to where, you know, you should be known or something along those lines, or, or you have a high probability of people faking you or your profile, They'll usually verify you, yeah, but apparently, right. if you have strikes against your account, they won't. Yeah. So, yeah. Gotcha, <laughs> <laughs> bitches. Got you verified. Hey, hey, it's. It, I, 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 I got. I got to run here in like five minutes, man. 
Do you think okay, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. So we'll, I'm, we'll sorry. No, no, I'm sorry, John. I was going to say, if you have an email account with, with a certain you know company, you'll sometimes get verified. But yeah, we'll wrap up here. Is my By the way, before I wrap things up, is my mic still sounding okay? You're good. You're good. Good. I, I, I'm paranoid about this now. So wrapping things up, at least for me, can I tell my Caitlyn Jenner story? Yeah, very quick. Caitlyn Jenner story. Okay. Yeah. And then so, John, John, when he's done, can you go into like what you're doing now? Really sure. get it and, and 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 okay. then i'm sorry brother i just i know we, we're going well, long here it's a good it's a good discussion we could easily go like five yeah. hours here but uh she said so the the, the caitlin you have so many one lines the caitlin jenner thing happened um so i as chris knows where i met chris i used to work on andrew wilkow's radio show um i screened phone calls for wilkow and andrew's talking about the transgender issue and you know his uh opposition to it i get a call and, you know, I'm like, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Caitlyn Jenner. I'm calling from California. And I'm like, yeah, we're not going to take any prank calls. I know you're trying to be funny. I'll let you go. Hang up. <laughs> Five minutes later, I get another call. And I'm like, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Caitlyn Jenner, California. And and she's like, ask me anything about myself. I am telling you right now, I am Caitlyn Jenner. And I'm listening to the voice. And I'm like, holy shit, this actually does sound like Caitlyn Jenner. And I look at the uh, area code and it's like Beverly Hills, California. I'm like, all right, this actually may be, may be legit. So I give the phone to Bins, who Chris knows. And, and Bins is, Mike is looking at me and he's like nodding his head. He's like, I think this is really Caitlyn Jenner. So we put her on, uh, talks to Andrew and is like, I, I am a conservative. I'm a Republican. I love your show. I listen all the time. I don't agree with you on the transgender issue. And here's why. And, and this is probably the last 10 minutes of the show. We end the show. You know, it's a good discussion. And Andrew was always like very, uh, you know, worried about this type of thing. So he goes back into the control room, me and Mike, and he's like, dude, I'm telling you, we got pranked. This this makes me look like a fucking idiot that I just talked to someone who said they're Caitlyn Jenner. Like, I am going to look like a moron. This was not Caitlyn Jenner. And I don't know why we took this call. Um, and we're like, I, I don't know. We think it might be. And Mike goes, look, I wrote down the phone number. We have contacts over at TMZ. I'm going to give it to them and see if they can verify this is Caitlyn Jenner. Sure enough, verifies it's Caitlyn Jenner. A few weeks later, Caitlyn Jenner comes to Sirius XM to do an interview with Radio Andy. And in the green room, they say, hey, is there anything we could do for you? Is there anything that you want? And Caitlyn Jenner goes, yeah, I want to meet Andrew Wilkow. And, That's and awesome. So That's they, awesome. Yeah, the people from Radio Andy come into the, you know, Andrew's studio and they're like, hey, Caitlyn Jenner is here. She really wants to meet you. She's a fan of the show. Uh, and Andrew's just like, do you want to come in with me? And I'm like, yeah, but why not? And uh, yeah, Caitlyn Jenner was very nice. And and, by, and I will say, man, I personally agree with you entirely on the whole thing because I've had Kristen Beck, you know, previously on my other show, uh, who probably would be a great debate for you. And yeah, I agree. Kristen Beck is biologically a man. I, I believe in science, but am I going to address Kristen Beck as she and her, if that's how she wants to be addressed? Yeah, I have no problem with that. She served this country honorably and has my That's respect a Navy for that. Seal one, right? an individual. Yeah, Navy SEAL. Okay, that was um, one that threatened to beat up Ben Shapiro. Yeah, no, no, no. That, that's not the one who threatened to beat him. That that's the one? Okay. No, that was a different one. But but the lady the one where Shapiro was like, that's not very ladylike. And I like, I know. I, yeah. I, I, I lost it on that. One. I don't think Kristen Beck would do that. But yeah, the crazy thing was this. I'll tell you one other thing real quick. And I know Chris has to go. When the Lady Valor documentary premiered on CNN. I interviewed Kristen Beck prior to that. And my mom was like, hey, I want to watch this with you. It just, it seems interesting. We're watching it on CNN. And all of a sudden someone's interviewing Kristen Beck and says like, you were in the Navy SEALs, which is considered the most macho thing. And yet you're transgender. And I, it didn't even register with me. My mom looks at me. My mom goes, is that, isn't that your voice? 
CNN didn't even ask me, but like I my voice. They used your interview. Yeah, they used like a few seconds of my interview. So I've seen Kristen Beck Fryer been like, hey, that I still put it on my resume and stuff that like my voice is on yeah. CNN for you know a, a documentary. Anyway, that's my that's my story. That's my feel. That's pretty cool. That's pretty <laughs> cool though. It's a small freaking world though. It is. It's crazy. And and who would yeah. think Kristen Beck listens to Andrew Wilkow? Like it's the last. I mean, not Kristen Beck. Caitlyn Jenner listens to Andrew Wilkow. It's the last thing you would think. But beautiful to um, about it though. It's beautiful. It transcends political party lines. It just means that people are independent of thought, and that's how we should be. Because the reason, like what you just said, when I got demonized as being all this pedophile bullshit, like it, it spawned from the transgender issue. And I have a personal friend who might disagree with this. He's like, look, I don't want to hear anything that he or she has to say because she's got a psychological disorder. He's like, and I think that, uh, you know, I'm never going to listen to what she has to say. He's like, wait a minute. I was like, let's, 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 de- let's dive into this real quick. You have PTSD. He's like, that's also classified as a psychological disorder. So then should we now disqualify anything that you have to say? I was like, I, by the term of having a psychological disorder does not mean that you cannot make rational decision-making or coping skills or whatever the case may be in other aspects of your life. So I am interested in hearing what Caitlyn Jenner has to say, and I'm not going to disqualify somebody based upon their sexuality, their life choice, or anything like that. Now, if you come at me and say I'm a pedophile and I have an idea, I'm going to tell you go get fucked. He's like, absolutely not. But things in that capacity, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to ever disavow or I'm never going to turn my ears off to somebody when they want to say something, whether I agree with it or not, based upon their life choice. Like, I won't do it. And, I'll listen to everybody. And I've, I've felt that on both sides. Even when we came out with, with our story, young people on the left wanted to hear it. Mm-hmm. Zero. And so I know how it feels like to be somewhere, tell what was going on and people to say, nope, you're fucking lying. You know why you're lying? Because that's not the that's not the political politician you support. Like yeah. so, I, I, and that's that yeah. made me go. Wait a second. I, if they're doing that to me, and I'm doing that to somebody else, mm-hmm. what does that make me? And, and it was we're getting made, nowhere. Yeah, it made me rethink uh, again. That's why the social media now. You see, my it's completely different than what it was three years ago. And that's one of the reasons it was like, holy shit, I'm condemning things of the same things that I'm condemning others for. I'm doing yeah. that as well. So you yeah. you do you listen? You don't have to agree with them. Me, you don't have to agree with just, but you got you got to listen, listen. And if and if you don't want to listen, well then don't fucking listen. But don't yeah. listen and say, oh, you're a fucking idiot. You're stupid. No, yeah. I, I'm 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 right with you, brother. I I, I get that all the time. It's like yeah, I'll post some of opinions. Like yeah, you're fucking stupid. It's like okay, interesting concept, but you didn't refute anything I said. That because you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You just you you disagree with me. You know, strictly on an emotional position. That's all it is. Like emotionally, you know, when you have your thoughts, it goes to your emotional portion of your brain, then to the logical forward portion of your brain. A lot of people, when they hear something they're so vehemently against, it never makes it past the emotional point and they respond automatically versus sitting down and saying, wait a minute, let's think about this. And I don't, I, I would never refuse anybody the ability to change their mind or take some time and think about an issue. Like you don't have to have an immediate response, especially in debates. Like, what do you think about this? Like, I don't feel like I'm educated enough to really have an informed opinion about that. So I'm not going to comment. But I will find that answer for you, sir, and I will get back with you later. There you go, Star Major. There you go. That's, that's the typical Army board question. I do not know the answer to that question because not Star Major, but I will get back to you. With well, I will get back to you with the correct answer. All right. I, and I'm sorry, Johnny. I, we, we're, we're moving I to the new I, house. But yeah, I, bro, want people I, to know, I want people to know what you're doing and the other stuff. There, I know they can find you on social media, but like the Twitch sure. and things like yep. that, a lot of people probably don't know know that you have that going on. And, yeah. and then we'll, People we think need to get Twitch you. is strictly for gaming and it's not. We do political commentation. I've been absent a little bit, but every morning at 8 a.m. CST on my Twitch channel, The John Burke, I go over news, politics, my own little spin on it. Uh, and then shellshockcbd.com, huge in the veteran community. I know you're with somebody, Chris. So yeah. I respect yeah. that, even though 
if you ever not, you hit me up, brother. I got something for you. <laughs> but uh, I'm, anyway, glad, I'm glad you're like one of those guys that like me that I'm off all my hard medication. I don't need that shit anymore. That stuff works. And I'm yes. glad you put that on there. It yes. doesn't matter. I think it's going to save more veteran lives than anything else ever would. I really think that that's why I'm for the legalization of weed. If you want to smoke, smoke. I personally don't. But, bro, I'm not going to knock if you want to. And I find it very hypocritical. A lot of conservatives out there are just like, you shouldn't be allowed to smoke weed, but I'm going to go down this six-pack and destroy my liver at the same time. It's like, uh, okay, <laughs> dumbass. Like, that makes no – like, get out of that neo boot. Like, even Crenshaw is like, yeah, it's not a hill I'm willing to die on. I don't think it should be legalized. Like, then how can you sit there and say you support individual liberties? Like, no. Like, no, it should be legalized. You should be able to smoke. Like Rand Paul said, if we legalize crack tomorrow, how many are going to go smoke well, it? Nobody. Yeah, we, we, we need to speak. We need to get Boone Cutler on the show too. Boone's a I good love friend. Boone. Boone's a good Boone. good buddy. We and we'll get him on the show. And Boone's this, Boone's him and Cypress Boone Hill. I, they're having him them and B was it be real from Cypress Hill. Got to have a competition of who smokes the most reefer, dude. I, I swear. <laughs> I see. The first time I met Boone, it was like walking into like the set of like half baked. Like, of half baked. I was like, holy Jesus. Jesus. We're, my gosh, Dude, Dave Chappelle. Always- I know. <laughs> but, uh, Boone's but, a good dude, man. Yeah, bro. But I, on your social, give go ahead and give your well, social media handles just, and then just Ian. John Burke. John Burke at Instagram and the John Burke on Instagram. Twitch is the John Burke and then Facebook is just John Burke. Look up John Burke. You'll, you'll, you'll find my stuff. It's there. Gotcha. Gotcha. We'll definitely do a part two of this. Yeah, even dude, though we've this got, is awesome. like we're, we've got a ton of people backed up that we want to get on. Yeah, absolutely, um, man. But you know what? The last thing I want to say as we wrap things up, because this is the end of the show here, I, I really feel like we'd be doing a disservice not to mention it throughout the entire two plus hours here. Uh, rest in peace to the legendary astronaut Michael Collins. Uh, Chris and I always say, you know, we lose these guys every day, whether it's World War II veterans, people who landed on the moon. Um, so you got to honor that sacrifice and, and their courage. That's her, That's like, man, I, that okay. astronaut, those astronaut, like imagine like you want to talk about bravery. Hey, we're going to, we're going to launch into space with a computer, the size of a room. And, uh, we hope things go well for you. Like, that's good, bravery, luck. Dude. good luck. We're going to put a rocket yeah, on luck. your ass. Like, now, yeah. like NASA is in our phone. Like everything we want Apollo 13 with or Apollo 11 is in our phone. Versus big, like, if you ever tour NASA, they'll tell you that. But apparently the moon landing was fake anywhere in the world is flat. What the hell do we know? But exactly. yeah, <laughs> you've seen the, uh, you've seen the uh, Buzz Aldrin uh, punch video, right? Oh, yes. I oh, I love it. I love it. That's what happens. You go against the greatest generation. You didn't do it. I like that dude was like, what, 70, awesome. 80 years old. Like, fuck yeah, take that. Those guys rock. Kenzie, fuck. Like the Ranger career, those guys rock. That generation, uh, mm-hmm. man, we can't hold the candle. Amazing that we didn't have the troubles back then that we do now. I wonder why that is. I wonder why. Yeah, big shock, huh? I don't see mm-hmm. the Dude, you're awesome. And I got your phone. I did, uh, seriously, I thought it, I it was it. like a crazy extra. I looked at it that <laughs> night and like, and I did. I was like, that bitch, where the fuck did she get my phone from? And my wife, my wife's answer. She goes, "Who's that?" You know, I'm like, I don't know, because <laughs> like, I, I, she knows who it is. Sorry, my cause any problem. I probably should just send a picture of my penis. Then would have been like, oh, no. oh, it's John. There's, I, I noticed that friend. <laughs> All right, I got you, dude. You're, you're awesome, brother. That's all for this episode of the Battleline Podcast, but we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself. 
face all challenges head on, and as always, never quit. <laughs>